wait, sorry, is it for tomorrow? Holy fuck. <laughs> uh, today. Let's go today. Wow. Alright, I'm going to change my whole attitude. No, tomorrow. Fuck it. Go tomorrow. <laughs> Oh, the draft goes tomorrow. I mean in two days. Holy fuck, what day is it now? Uh, 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 We'll go tomorrow. Okay. All right. Man, talk radio. Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. It's Terrence who got going. Headed over on this side, and the attack moved in. It's dropped back to Terrence. Shoots. Just put death by rock and roll. For Saturday, July 3rd. What? Uh, (laughs) Saturday, March 15th. Saturday, October apparently 10th, uh, it's the Lace Up Hockey Podcast. Um, Busy, busy week. Lots to get to. Uh, I am James Cole. I'm Bruce Spataglia from the freaking north side. Wow, north side must be busy this week. Lots to talk about. I don't know if anyone really wants to hear my opinion about the particular Toronto sports team that I write about, but sure. Well, we'll get there. Um, Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Obviously, uh, not the not the norm for the draft yeah, and free weird. agency. Well, it's weird to have it in July. Remember, like a year ago at Thanksgiving, when our biggest problem was that the NHL wouldn't schedule hockey games during the day yeah. on a Canadian Thanksgiving, and here we are um, struggling through a pandemic still. Yeah, it's been yeah. it's been a crazy ride. Yeah, what a ride it's been these uh, last twenty eight months. I mean, it does sort of feel like a free agent frenzy because. Like most years, I was on the golf course in a t-shirt and fucking shorts for uh, refreshing TSN to see what mistake the Leafs made. So it did feel like a regular free agent frenzy day, but it was also weird that it was like six degrees by the time it was like six o'clock, so. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that's just the, 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 new, the new norm for now, I, I guess. Uh, we're going to have to get used to these these weird, like, historically... We know when this is going to happen. We know when this is going to take place. Just, and now it's... I'm just bored already. Like, 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 like base, baseball, I just don't really care about this year. I, 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 it's not so much because the Red Sox aren't in it as much as it is, like, there's no fans. And it's the one sport that I can't get past them not having fans because the fans are such an essential part of baseball, I think. So I haven't really been watching it. Uh, I don't really care about the NBA Finals because I don't want either team to win. And uh, the NHL's done, and football is inevitably going to get cancelled. So, like, there's not really much to look forward to here in the next few winter months. Um, or approaching winter months, you know? You know what you can count on, though? You can mm-hmm. always count on it. Airdale? Boxing Day. Oh. World Juniors. Well, as of now, yeah. For now. But it looks like it's going to happen. Yeah. But that's, so that's going to be weird, too, right? Because, like, they're going to have to come... They're going to have... Like, those countries are going to have to come from overseas... Like two weeks earlier than normal and quarantine, so that way they can start the preliminary part of the tournament on like December twentieth. Like it's just weird. Yeah, you know, 
I mean, like, what else are they going to be doing? I mean, I guess the European I leagues guess. are still playing, but those U.S. hockey players, I, I mean, can't imagine, will be doing a whole technically lot. Technically, the QMJHL's playing and That's shit like true. that, too, yeah. right? Like, for now, anyway. Yeah. So... 17 I, cases on one team. That's it's going well. I have a buddy who plays in the ECHL, and he, uh, I saw him the other day, and he's leaving Thunder Bay soon to go out there to start training to get ready for the season that is supposed to start on January 1st. And he was saying about how, because he plays for uh, the team in Newfoundland, that he has to go out there, and when he gets there, he had, he had to apply for an exemption to go back to live in the apartment that he owns... <laughs> Uh, and then he basically has to quarantine for two weeks, but then the league is also making him quarantine till like, the season starts. So he's going out there to sit in his apartment for, like, two and a half months to maybe play hockey in January. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's pretty fucked up. Like, it's just, yeah, yeah like, you know. Because if he had left, like, or if he hadn't have left, that'd be one thing. But no matter what, he'd have to stay there according to the league anyway. Like, it's just like, yeah, it's it's a mess. It sucks. Hmm. I get it. It's terrible. It's not how you want to spend your Thanksgiving. Or any amount of time, really. And speaking of spending your Thanksgiving, uh, what what is your Thanksgiving weekend looking like, buddy? Oh, I'm not doing anything. Nothing? No. I golfed... Uh, I have a four-day weekend from work, which is kind of nice. So I golfed yesterday. I'm doing nothing today. I'm golfing tomorrow, and I'm golfing Monday, provided that Monday is not uh, horrible. It looks like it's supposed to be horrible, but yeah, I know the family was supposed to do something, and my... Uh, Grandparents are somewhat uncomfortable with the notion of having a Thanksgiving, so they've decided not to, and um, I think that's fine. Like you know, that's yeah, okay, understandable. Yeah, I don't, I don't care. Yeah. So well, as long as everyone's safe and healthy and all that yeah, jazz, it makes no difference um, to me really. I, I I have a couple dinners to go to. My my nice. my parents are doing a a small, you know, household type dinner where we're just going to cook the food we have because we have it. So yeah. May as well cook it. Okay. And then my girlfriend's family is doing uh, also a shortened, you know, thing in terms of the... She's got a huge family. So, like, every time yeah. there's a get-together, it's like, you know, it's normally stressful enough. But yeah. with the pandemic, they thought, well, fuck it, we'll just do, like, the six of us. Part of me does miss, um, like, when my whole, like, the whole my whole mom side of my mom's family would do family functions because um, there are five brothers... And uh, all of them have multiple children who then have children. And, uh, like, we would do a Christmas dinner and there'd be literally, like, 70 fucking people in, in this house. And part of me does miss doing that. Not that that would be practical or even allowed right now. But, um, like, I, I basically what I'm saying is I could imagine the chaos of having to tell these uh, Italian relatives if we were still doing things that way that we can only have, like, eight people family dinners instead of 70. Just the fucking chaos that would erupt there. So, you know. Yeah, um, it's not what you want, anyway. And not not during everything that's going on. I, so. mi- I miss it. I do miss it. It was, a lot of, it was a lot of fun. I wasn't able to drink back then, so I kind of wish I was able to take advantage of that. Yeah, well, no, then that's that's exactly why Thanksgiving has gotten better over the years. Is all of a sudden yeah. people introduce you to wine, and it's like, oh no, well, now I get it. Why we're doing all this crap? No, I'll be drinking wine from the comfort of my home alone instead of uh, at a family dinner this year. Perfect. Um, Watching s- Home Alone, maybe. Ooh, just like uh, Baron Trump in the White House. The perfect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about that for a minute? <laughs> if we have time, how, sure. 
because we don't we don't talk we don't talk about Trump very much on this podcast. Wonder why? And then, yeah, exactly. You know, but like big Trump guys, eh? But like, Am I right? oh, oh, for sure. But like, I've never been more certain that we're living in a simulation because there's just there's no way that this fucking guy is is real life. Sometimes, you know what I mean? And the fact that he gets COVID. And then insists on going back to the White House, like, the next day, just to prove a point. And there's the video of him getting out of the helicopter, and the guy literally can't breathe. You know what I mean? It's just like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, he's such an idiot. And then the whole bit about tweeting out the pictures of him working versus the, you know, the next picture of him working, and everyone's like, ah, the metadata says those pictures were taken, like, nine minutes apart. And it's like, ah, it's hilarious. Creates the illusion that he worked, like, an eight-hour day. And then fucking does the thing where he does the press conference or whatever, and he's like, oh, doctors have never seen me, seen anyone heal this quickly from coronavirus. I have the best DNA. It's not even DNA. It's USA. Like, what are we... What the fuck is happening here? And then there's the Mike Pence fly thing, and it's like, holy fuck. I fucking hate it. Um, yeah, man. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm at the point now with this guy where it's just like, I don't... I'm not even surprised anymore. It's just, this is... Yeah, sure. I woke up tomorrow, and... And he signed, he signed communism to, into effect in the United States. Like, yeah, sure. Why not? If this weren't real life, this is probably the funniest thing that's happened in the history of time. This would be the funniest show, funniest anything. This would be so funny, but it's real, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. But holy shit, is some of it just like, holy, like I, you can't help but laugh. It's just insane. Anyway. Andre Sekera signed a two-year, <laughs> two-year deal after we left. Is that what we're going to talk about? I, I think, that that's, I think that's where the timeline starts. So, yeah. I guess that's what we're going to do, right? It's like we're going to just kind of go, because we, we recorded Sunday afternoon. We released on Monday afternoon. But we're going to start from basically where we left off on Sunday and just go in order of everything that happened, right? Like, I feel like that's the best way to do it. That's probably the best way to do it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're going to go back. Uh, the only thing that happened on that day that we missed, uh, yes, the Andre Seca resigning to the Dallas Stars, two years, um, $1.5 million cap hit. You are going to see a lot of two-year deals coming up um, throughout the course of this episode, and uh, that's because uh, there's this little thing called the expansion draft next summer, and a lot of teams have to meet certain criteria and want to make sure that they're not losing out on, on guys that they, you know, obviously like and have built rapports with and, and would like to keep around. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's kind of going to be uh, a theme throughout this. But um, in any case, um, interesting move by the Dallas Stars. Like, I, I think a defense that was already well structured, you know, yeah. solid core there. And you know, like, and that's the thing. Like we talk about is how good Dallas's blue line is. But like when you talk about it, like people just look at Klingberg and Heiskanen, and Lindell's good. And Steven Johns is very underrated, but like Sekera's a really good third pairing defenseman. Mm-hmm. Like really solid. And it's almost insane that we're even discussing him as a third pairing defenseman because he got bought out by Edmonton despite being their best defenseman. And then goes over to Dallas and plays this super limited role, but he's he's doing it quite well. So yeah. um I like it because of the expansion draft factor. And I actually like it from a hockey standpoint I think it's a solid extension and and although I'm not usually a fan of signing uh, guys of his age I think that that's a good signing 
I, I think so. It should work out, I think, in the long run for them. So, um, That concludes October 4th. That, okay. that, that was October 4th. That's an easy one. That's that's good. That was easy. Um, buddy, it's not going to get any easier. I can, I can tell you that. Okay. Um, we moved to the 5th, October 5th. I believe that was the Monday. Yeah. So the day before the draft. A little bit of wheeling and dealing going on. A lot of teams trying to get in position for how they want to be able to handle mm, the next position. few days. In position. The, uh, the week ahead, if you will. Uh, in position, yes. Uh, the new single by ACDC. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, they got a new album coming out. I'm just... Uh, is there a song called In Position No, I just think that that's a very That'd be a on weird, brand. Like, just, is it? Yeah, they're, like they're, a, they have like all a lot their of songs are like Livewire and fucking Haywire. And yeah, War but they've Machine also got like money shots and like you know. Yeah, what does that mean with imposition? What's uh, what's what does that have to do with imposition? It's, it's sexually suggestive. Wow, this what? Yeah, are you thinking? Are you thinking impotence? <laughs> no, you know, like you gotta get imposition. Like you know, there's different positions that you might want to get. Oh, in. I'm saying imposition, like oh. I M P, like one word. Oh, imposi- like, I'm, I'm saying imposition. Like, a, like, like a, you know how defensemen on the blue oh, yeah. line I'm, from I'm the talking, Leafs get out of position. I'm talking politics more it's so. It's the yeah. opposite. In position. Okay. Something with the Leaf defense yeah. are, are never very different. Yeah. Yeah. They're there's yeah. Well, and they're they're definitely not imposing anyone either. No. So I guess both of us were right. No. Um, so yeah. Uh, a little bit of wheeling and dealing as teams get ready for what would be the week ahead. Uh, let's start on the signing front. Okay. And the first signing of the day, October 5th, uh, a one-year league minimum deal to forward Jason Spezza to return to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. Um, ah, why not? Yeah. You need, you need those guys. You need those, like, league minimum contracts to fill out the bottom of your well, roster. You, you do, but but I prefer to give those to younger, hungrier guys, usually, just, like, more of a speed guy. But, like, here, here's what I'll say about the signing. I wasn't crazy about it on Monday, but as, as the week went on, this is one of the things I'm the least worried about that Kyle Dubas did this week. So, um, do I like it? No, but I've come to live with it. <laughs> I, I think it's... It's fine. I think it's smart. It's fine. It's... The only thing that I... I like it as a deal. My problem with this is I'm worried that Jason Spetz is still going to play like 14, 15 minutes a night next year. And I don't... I don't really think that he's capable of that. Um, he was fine in the role that he played most of the year toward the end of the uh, season and definitely in the playoffs, I didn't think he was very good. And I'm worried after sitting for another six months how that body's going to look come January, February, and especially next July if that's when the playoffs are or whatever. Um, so I'm I'm very skeptical of that. But do I think that he's someone that is maybe going to be like a 14th forward on an NHL team next year? Yeah, like he still should be that good, I would think. Yeah. So to have him on your roster, I think is fine. The deal's obviously good because it's a league minimum deal. Um, But are there guys that maybe I would rather have that uh, roster spot in the Leafs organization? Yeah, probably. So Okay. Um, Defenseman Josh Brown uh, signs with the... Ottawa Senators, yeah. uh, another two-year deal, 1.2 yep. cap hit. That's fine. Um, mm-hmm. I I definitely had never heard of him until uh, the Senators traded for him. Yeah, so. 
Yeah. I don't know who he is. Uh, Minnesota, very busy on October 5th, as we'll get to in a minute. But mm. a couple signings, they got out of the way early. Uh, they renewed RFA Nico Sturm uh, to a $725,000 cap hit. I, I think that's smart. Sure. It's, it's easy. Uh, they also uh, signed uh, Carson Soucy to mm. a, a three-year deal at two point seven five per year. Uh, not so smart. So you, you win some, you lose some. You know? Yeah, like um, in the sample size that we have of Carson Soucy... I mean, this this seems like a, I guess, like a reasonable deal. Um, I mean, he is one player. There are several examples of this in the NHL where the advanced stats look solid in some regards. The eye test looks not great. I don't think he looks like he's a very good defenseman. But, um, like, like, here's the thing. is He's played, what, like, fucking 58 career games or some shit like that. And, um... You know, almost all of them have come on a on a bad Minnesota team. So I do sort of wonder if he's one of those guys that, you know, as he grows into it. Like, I think it's just a signing based on potential more than anything. And those deals have a tendency to not work out. Sometimes they do. and But, you know, you can end up with, uh, like, a David Pasternak scoring fucking, you know, like, leading the league in goals almost kind of thing. Uh, or you can end up with, like, a Jacob Chikrin, where it's just like... Or, sorry, that's a bad example. A Michael Matheson, where it's like, hmm, he makes $5 million a year, but is he an NHL defenseman? Probably not. Probably not. Um, <clears throat> Sebastian Ajo uh, signs a two-year uh, deal at a $725,000 cap hit. Uh, that is uh, not the Carolina yeah. Sebastian Ajo. That's, that's the other Sebastian Ajo, so... Uh, still Not even from the same freaking country. Still allowing us to keep the dream alive, where we see Sebastian Aho uh, taking out Sebastian Aho on a on a breakaway or something. Maybe that's why everyone thought Lou Lamorello was the best GM in the NHL. Is because they just like they heard that he got Sebastian Aho, and they're like, you know what, this guy's doing a really good job. And then they didn't realize that it's the wrong Sebastian Aho. They didn't dig any deeper than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, when when would the NHL writers ever not do 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 diligence? There it is. Yes. I had a stroke there. Yeah. Well, I hope you bounce back. Yeah. Uh, Tage, Tage Thompson uh, re-ups with the Buffalo Sabres. Well, speaking of strokes. On a three-year three, three year deal. Uh, like, again. This, I guess you got to get to the cap floor. Again. And you know what? Like, I will say this is going to be a common theme, actually, in this episode. Where, again, this does seem like a signing. Sort of based on potential. It, it does stand to reason that maybe there's some potential there with Tage Thompson, but, I mean, he's played 107 NHL games, and he hasn't looked particularly good in any of them, and he's 23, and sure, he's a former first-round pick, but it's, yeah. uh, it's uh, a late first-round pick, and you wonder how much that has to do with size, because it was by the Blues. And, right, right. Like, I don't know. I just, I don't particularly think Tage Thompson's very good. Every time I've watched him, I don't really get it, and um, I just don't. I don't like the signing. Um, something I just, I'm going to get out of the way here in case some of these deals sound uh, totally outrageous. Uh, there are four teams that still, at the moment, after all the signings of yesterday and, and all the stuff that we, we're going to get to, there are still four teams that are under the cap floor. Uh, Buffalo is one of them. Bonkers. So th- this could be just an example of one of those deals that they, 
they got to spend to get there kind of thing. Uh, Ottawa, Detroit, New Jersey. Uh, you look, four really bad teams. Uh, so they're going to be some interesting deals that the, the you're going to see out of, out of those markets uh, as we move through the episode. Um, we look towards the buyout front. There was one buyout on October 5th. Uh, it was a defenseman by the name of Jack Johnson out of Pittsburgh. Um, they did the they did the smart thing for once. That's that's kind of cool. Yeah, is it the smart thing though? If you if you're the team that signed them to the fucking deal, well, <laughs> and, some, and you know what, I'd, you know, I'd rather you them know admit their, their fault and and you know, sure, I I get that, but it was just this whole idea that like a couple weeks ago, Jimmy Rutherford's literally telling us that we're wrong and he's right, and Jack Johnson's a good defenseman and all this shit, and then he buys them out, and it's like. Well, yeah, like, what the fuck were you thinking with that contract in the first place? Like, come on. You know you know what? There's been so much of this shit, especially over the course of this week. We're going to get to a few guys, but it's the case. Where it's like, you know what? Like, you don't need to have a fucking heart to work as a general manager. You need to look at it as, like, a business. And I'm so fucking sick of sports teams rewarding guys because they've had a good career. If they were going to get paid, they would have got paid. And if they didn't get paid, then that's their agent's fault. That's their fault. It's not your job to give these guys $16 million because you feel bad for them or whatever. I'm not saying that's what Jimmy Rutherford did here, but there was no need to ever give Jack Johnson five fucking years. And he says this huge thing about when he signs him. Well, we got him at a reduced cap hit, but at least we got that, you know, we got the term, but at least we got him at the number we want him at. And it's like, okay, well, if you always plan to buy him out, why did you sign him at all? Like, you shouldn't be signing contracts where you're like, ah, fuck it, we'll just buy it out halfway but through. You, you, already, you already know the answer, though. Like, yeah, well, it's Jimmy fucking brother for no, I understand No, because, that, because he's fucking Sidney Crosby's best friend, and Sidney Crosby wants me to come he? play. Is he? I don't... That's, never heard that. Yeah, that's apparently... That's like, right. How do they even know each other? Uh, fucking, uh, what's that Minnesota, the, the high school they went to there, um... I don't think Jack Johnson Shattuck. went to Shattuck. I thought so. I don't think so. Okay. He's from, like, Indiana or some shit. I don't know why he well, would have been up in Shattuck. Crosby's from fucking... Well, yeah, you know. but he was a fucking superstar when he was a kid. I don't know. Like, it, it just regardless... Yeah, Shattuck St. Mary's. It was one of those things where it's like... It was never a good deal to begin with. And everyone applauded Jimmy Rutherford for buying out this deal that he fucking signed the guy to two years ago. Like, you knew it was bad then... And it's still bad now, and now that he recognizes it's bad, everyone's like, ah, but at least he admitted he was wrong. Like, fuck that. Like, why is he that wrong in the first place? Anyway, uh, I like Jack Johnson, I just think he's bad. (laughs) He's not good. Um, I mean, I shouldn't say he's bad, but that deal just made him seem a lot worse than he is. He's always been kind of overpaid, right? It doesn't help. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure Pittsburgh will do something smart with that money uh, moving forward, as, as we'll get to. Um, as I mentioned, That's the Minnesota Wild thing. active on October 5th. Uh, they uh, also had a pair of deals with the San Jose Sharks. Uh, the first one was uh, moving out Ryan Donato and his 1.9 cap hit for uh, a third-round pick uh, from uh, the Sharks for not even this draft. So Minnesota desperately trying to shed cap space. Um uh, in any way they can. Um, also evidenced by the fact that they moved out uh, Devin Dubnik a few hours later. Uh, 50% retained to the Sharks, along with a 7th round pick uh, in return for a 5th round pick two years from now. So Minnesota not getting anything immediate out of the Sharks uh, for either of those players, just getting some cap relief. 
to the tune of about $4 million, which, you know, um, is helpful, especially in their position, uh, a team that has some pretty bad contracts and uh, obviously trying to move towards rebuilding and, and you know, maybe taking a, a new approach um, as they sh- move on from their aging core, so to speak. Um, I, I believe that's it for October 5th. That's the day before the draft. Yeah. Um, and then that, that leads us to the day of uh, round one, um, October 6th. Mm. Um, it was actually it was actually closer to two days because that first round took about 27 hours to get through. Mm-hmm. Um in the lead-up, um, on the 6th, we had a few signings. We had uh, Zach McEwen to the uh, Vancouver Canucks, extending uh, their RFA. Jaden Halbawak for the Sharks, same deal. Two years, RFA. Jacob Middleton and RFA with the Sharks. Uh, Maxim Lutinov, uh, Nicholas Maloche, and uh, the only notable signing of the day, which was Brendan Dillon. Uh, back with the Washington Capitals, four years at uh, three point nine million. Um, don't love it, but okay. Yeah, uh, like I, I think he's a good player. Um, I, I I don't know. Uh, it, it could end up being pretty good value. It's not. It's not really a, a risky contract. I just think it's a little long and a little high for Brendan Dillon. Yeah, that was my initial reaction, and then I kind of started looking more into Brendan Dillon. And I've always known that he's good, but I just I feel like he's underrated. Like I don't I don't think people realize how good he is. Um, like he's a really good defensive defenseman, but um, I like the cap hit. I I just I don't I don't know. It's one of those things. Like I would have gone three years, five million. But you're kind of splitting hairs there because it, it still would have worked out to be the same deal. So if he would, ra- if Brendan Dillon would rather have that term, like I guess it benefits you to have the lower cap hit if you're the Capitals. It's just like that fourth year you might have to figure something out, right? Um, because he's not—I don't know how old he is, but he must be close to thirty by now. So, um, you know, on a four-year deal, I—I I, I think it's fine. Um, it's a good signing for them. They kind of needed to keep him now that Kempney's not playing next year, too, which is another issue, So, or at least not very quickly into next year. So I, I do like the deal. I do understand the complaints with it. But uh, A couple of buyouts uh, this day as well. Justin Abdelkader, uh, he's bought out from the Detroit Red Wings. I think this has purely got to be a move related to the uh, cap staying flat. Uh, despite Detroit again being one of those teams that has to get to the cap floor, like listen, like Justin Applicator's been with this franchise his entire career. He's, he's put a lot of, a lot of minutes, a lot of hours, a lot of tough seasons uh, into playing for the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, some of them not too good. Look, he's not the best, um, and and I get wanting to get a guy like that off your payroll, but um, interesting move all the same. Like I said, under normal, uh, you know, a normal economy a normal uh, year where we don't have a pandemic I think they just find a way to just bury him on the fourth line or something like that and you know like I said help them get to the cap floor he's he knows the system he knows the team he can help out these young guys maybe show them around downtown Detroit you know where not to go perhaps um, but all the same uh, he's out we'll have to make sure that Ken Holland doesn't get creative in Edmonton and try to bring in his uh, sweet sweet boy Justin Abdelkader there yeah. 
Well, the good news is, is in Detroit, um, there's like five or seven guys on the roster that have been playing there for uh, freaking 25 seasons, so they should mm. know their way around Detroit by now. So mm. uh, I guess they're just going to get Franz Nielsen to drive everyone around now. But um, I love that they bought him out because uh, I, I have long been on the train that he's washed. He used to be a fairly productive third-line winger for about two years, and then they gave him, again, because they like the guy, um, threw eight years at him for whatever fucking reason. Uh, well, we know the reasons, because Ken Holland was the general manager. But I like the idea of freeing up a spot in the lineup for your younger guys at this stage for Detroit. They do, like, they do have younger guys that... Um, can step in and can take some ice time. And I just think when you have a spot in the lineup that you're giving to Justin Applicator, you can't give it to a younger player. So I like that they bought him out. The other thing is, is like, if they wanted to keep Applicator around in order to not buy him out, like, I don't love the idea of putting Justin Applicator in the press box either. Like, I don't... I, I feel like that's just a really bad situation for everyone. And... Like, even though Abdelkader knows he probably isn't that great at this point, he doesn't want to sit in the press box every night either. Like, right. that's kind of insulting to a guy like that. So, I almost think that buying him out is the more respectful move here. And because they still need to get to the cap floor, like, Justin Abdelkader's buyout isn't small. So, like, right. you know what I mean? Like, that helps them do that. Um, you know, they have $3.5 million in dead money because they're still paying Stephen Weiss, so... Um, it's fine. Like I, 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 I agree with the move because I think. He, well, I don't think he's definitely not a good hockey player anymore. So, uh, the other buyout this day was Carl Alsner moving on from the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, his contract bought out. Um, this is uh, again. Like I don't, don't want to spend too much too long on every fucking guy that we're gonna have to go through here. But uh, Carl Alsner, I, I always liked him. Uh, always kind of hoped the best for him. Uh, just never really seemed to click in Montreal. Uh, seems like the body is taking its toll for for Carl Osner. I, I don't really know. I'm sure he'll land on his feet, and someone will give him a you know a, a cheap you know maybe one or two year deal and plug him into your bottom pair and see what happens. But um, for Carl Osner, yeah, okay, no. Oh, I I know. I think I think we've heard the last of Carl Osner. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, he yeah he he was like on his way out of the league before they signed. Okay. And, in a world um, where Jack Johnson can be signed, I'm, I'm sure yeah, someone will well, take a photo. Oh photo man, I think I'd Alsner. rather have Jack Johnson. Oh wow, I'm not gonna lie. Okay. Jack Johnson can skate at least. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't we're fault not the team. Figure skaters here. <laughs> yeah, well, true. It's fucking Battle of the Blades, James. You didn't hear about that? They're doing fucking Battle of the Blades this year instead of the Cup Final. Um. Look, like, I wouldn't fault a team for signing Carl Alsner to be low, low-risk low deal or anything either, though. If they give them the give them the opportunity, then great, but I just I don't think it's going to happen. That's that's all. Yeah. Um, a couple of trades leading into the draft. We had the uh, the big move, big move of the day, uh, as the uh, Montreal Canadiens bring in Josh Anderson. I wonder what happens with him. Um, in exchange for Max Domi and a third-round pick, uh, on uh, the uh, the oh, draft that was coming, it's so finally time. It's uh, it's, it's Domi time. for we Anderson and there. a pick. Um, Max Domi moving on to his third team 
in as many seasons. Yeah. I, no, I guess he played two years in Montreal. Uh, two years. Yeah, right? so third team in four years, which still doesn't bode well for a career. Whatever. But, um, yeah, it, uh, like, uh, I'm not going to defend Max Domi a ton, but when one of those teams was Montreal, I think it fucking doesn't really count too much. Like, it's one team where it's just kind of, they don't really know what they're doing, so... You spend one year there, you spend ten. I don't think it really matters too much to me. It's not a ringing endorsement. Um, I love the deal for Columbus, obviously. I don't really think that they had much leverage when it comes to how the Josh Anderson uh, situation was going to end. Quite frankly, I would have been shocked for them to get an asset for him. And they got a uh, much better hockey player for him. So, and a pick. <laughs> like, um, I I a little bit get... I, I kind of get it from Montreal's perspective. Like, I understand why they made the deal. But this kind of reminds me of Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. Where it's like, they made a deal they had to make but it was still a bad trade. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the situation with Max Domi in Montreal was never going to end that well because of his relationship with Claude Julien, because of you know his play last season, and maybe that was because of his relationship with Claude Julien. I don't know. But he's still a guy who is a year removed from, playing, from putting up 72 points, and a lot of that was at a position that he had never played before. Like, he can play hockey, man. And um, I think in Columbus, I see him and Torts being a good fit together. I see... Don't hear that too often. Um, yeah, and I see him fitting well with, with Dubois and, and Atkinson or whoever they want to put him with. But um, I think it's huge for Columbus. Like, I, I honestly think Max Domi goes in and is one of their best forwards already. So that's great for them. Josh Anderson is a good player, uh, but he is a third line winger on a good team second line center on an o or second line winger on an okay team and um that's what montreal is is a okay team but i don't really think that josh anderson moves the needle for montreal very much um i wouldn't say that this trade made montreal worse as a hockey team but i don't think they got any better here either Mm mm-hmm yeah. Uh, only other uh, two trades of the day were uh, the Calgary Flames involved with trading themselves down in the first round. They go from 19th to 22nd in a trade with the Rangers, and then again they go down to the 24th spot uh, f- uh, with a trade with the Capitals. Not going to get uh, too in-depth with the uh, the picks going each way there, um, but Calgary clearly not too wo- worried about you know who, who they were going to get. I think they, they felt that the difference between 19 and 24 was, you know, really uh, a non-factor in terms of, of what they were looking at for their first round pick. Um, so they, they pull the trigger in a couple of trades and, and pick up an, a couple extra picks for their for their trouble. Um, all of that takes us to the first round of the NHL draft. Uh, of course, the uh, long-awaited uh, anointment of Alexis Lafreniere going first overall to the Rangers, a team that moved up, as you'll remember, from 10th to 1st in the draft lottery. Um 
nothing really to talk about. I don't think it's it was cut and dry. We all knew it was coming, and and, and he goes to to Broadway. And well, depending who you ask, <coughs> apparently Stutzla is the best player in the draft, according to some scouts. So. Well, we'll see. Stutzla could be like yeah, the best know. player in the draft. Like Leon yeah. Dreisaitl went third a few years ago, and he's probably the best player from that draft. So who are the other two? Um, great question. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's freaking Connor McDavid and Wayne Gretzky. Wow, yeah. I didn't realize that. Was that, that. The, the Ekblad year? The Ekblad one? Leon uh, Oh, man. Why is this? Why don't I know this? Uh, Leon Dreisaitl, 20, 2014. So Ekblad and Reinhardt. Um, yeah, Dreisaitl's the best player from that draft, yeah. actually. Yeah, as so, I'm looking at it right now. German's going third. You know, could... Uh, well, uh, I would still say he's the best player from that draft, but also in that draft were were Pasternak and Point, but they didn't go anywhere near the top three. So. Right, yeah. right. Um, not so um, secure, or I should say, uh, as second overall, the uh, LA Kings go with Quentin Byfield, um, which I, I don't think you can go wrong between Stutzler and Byfield. I don't think there was a lot of separation there. Um I think it just came down to what kind of player you wanted, and the Kings obviously like their their big boys, you know, the Anzi Kopitar types, and and they went the uh, the route of Quentin Byfield and mm-hmm. bring him into the fold uh, to what is going to be a, a, just a ridiculous uh, prospect pool um, in a year or two. Um, already is, but just you know, as as those guys all grow together, it's going to be absolutely fascinating to see what the LA Kings can put together. Um, may have problems getting to the cap floor just because they got so many rookie deals. Am I right? Yeah, there it is. For those of you who aren't here, James did the uh, the gesturing of the elbow. Ah! Like he was nudging someone there, yeah. like any like anyone really was able to see that. Right. Um, I I look. I, it's not like I don't love Lafreniere to to the Rangers. It's not like I don't love some of the other draft picks in this draft. I thought a lot. I thought a lot of teams did really well. I freaking love the way the Kings are building their team right now. Like they have. They have the, by far, best depth uh, at center of any organization in their prospect pool. And to add Quinton Byfield to that, who some people think is going to be the best player in this draft, uh, I think is unreal. I think he is the perfect type of kid for that market to be a star. And what's so fascinating about the Kings is when they inevitably go on this upswing with this with this group of kids is the Kings team that we had in the past was filled with stars but they weren't filled with the same type of stars that are going to be coming into the lineup for them in the future like they've got a lot of talent offensively a lot of good young fast guys the Kings were a slower possession based team that just held onto the puck and dominated down low and Byfield can do that and these guys can do that but they're a lot more dynamic than that than that team we saw in the early 2010s that won two cups. So it's a different sort of version of this Kings team, and I think that that's really exciting. And I love the idea that Quentin Byfield's going to be the face of that. I think I think it's great. I'm super excited for the future in L.A. Um, the Ottawa Senators, uh, with the third overall pick, uh, as acquired from the Eric Carlson trade, they go with the German, Tim yeah. Stutzla, as you mentioned. Um, that's, a, that's just a smart pick. Like, there's really the, the only thing you had to think about was, you know, what jersey to number to put on the back uh, in terms of uh, who you were taking at third there. Uh, so, 
you know, I think the Sens get a really effective player there. We saw a lot of uh, Stutzel at the World Juniors uh, on a not so great Germany team, so mm-hmm. looked like a, a difference maker out there. Uh, a couple of interesting picks at four and five. The the Red Wings um, reach a bit on Lucas Raymond. Um, Steve Eisman has a bit of a history with this, uh, kind of going out of uh, out of the norm, you might say. Uh, you know, in terms of who's projected to go where, and and taking a guy that he just likes. And clearly, the Red Wings uh, they like Lucas Raymond. Uh, they like Sweden. Uh, yeah, we all know that. So uh, they got what they think is their guy. Interesting pick. Um, I I like it. Like yeah. I like everything I've watched from Lucas Raymond. The only thing that concerns me a bit, and I think that this is probably unfair to Detroit, is this is considered a reach. And last year, they made what most people consider to be the biggest reach in the history of the draft at the time. Right. So this is two years in a row with with their first round pick. They've kind of went in an interesting direction. So I'm a little I'm a little worried about that, but. At the end of the day, they reached in a draft where if you're going to reach, this is a good one to do it. You know what I mean? There's so much talent. Like, yeah. last year it was more, these guys should go in this order, right? And we've seen, like, the Nugent Hopkins draft where it was like, this is how it should go because it's just nobody's it's not great. not a good draft. Is, yeah, like, but um, Lucas Raymond looks like he's going to be a fucking phenomenal player. Mm-hmm. So I, I do like the pick. I, I honestly, just... From what I've read and what I see, like this has potential to be the best draft in a long time. So I think it's still a good pick. Uh, Jeff Sanderson's son Jake goes to the Ottawa mm. Senators at fifth. Uh, another bit of an odd one. Uh, I, I think given who was available out there, um, obviously Ottawa's picking from a, a positional need at this point uh, at fifth. Uh, Which does make it interesting, though, because yeah. like they have two... Very good prospects at left defense. And so to take another one at left defense rather than to go Jamie Drysdale at right defense, like even that to me was just like, how big do they actually think the gap is between those defensemen? And I mean, I know you don't worry too much about handedness, but like most people think Drysdale is much better than Sanderson. And they seem to think that Sanderson's much better than Drysdale. And I'm just kind of curious why that would be and that's one we just we won't yeah. know till I mean with any of these picks we don't know what any of it's going to mean till and, 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 and we don't know what Ottawa knows maybe they don't yeah. think highly of those two guys in their system already at left defense or maybe there's concerns that we don't know about right it's so, Shabbat's going to be there for a while yeah well um, as you mentioned Jimmy Drysdale the other defenseman available he goes sixth to the Anaheim Ducks I, I think they're happy to have him yeah. Um, not good, that he fell. I think that's pick. where he was going to go around that around you know there, yeah. eight to five range, and um, that's just that's just a really effective guy for I think a Ducks team that, um, you know they're they've always been very defense conscious. That like over the years you've seen how they handle how they uh, bring up their defensive prospects, and they've always done a, a pretty good job of of uh, churning out NHL defensemen. And I, I think you can add Jamie Jarzil's name to that list uh, in the in the short future. Uh, to come. Uh, seven, the Devils go with a goal scorer in Alex Holtz uh, out of Sweden. Um, guys, guys, pure talent. Yeah, I don't know a lot about him. I just, yeah. I've read good things, but I don't really know anything. Puts the puck in the net, so, you know, if, if you can do it at the NHL level, as he's done at every other level, then uh, the Devils should be in for something special there. Uh, Jack Quinn goes to the Buffalo Sabres at eight. Now they will have to start working uh, very hard to get uh, Quinn Hughes and Jack Hughes to play with Jack Quinn. Jack Quinn, Quinn Hughes, Jack Hughes, Jack... Jack Eichel. Jack Quinn, Jack Eichel. Yeah. Um, 
uh, he goes to Buffalo. Uh, not a bad player, but someone that I definitely thought would have followed the next two on the list. Yeah. So, yeah, and like, the, like there was there were people talking. Like, I mean, Jack Quinn was probably the second rated player on his team. But there were people who were like, ah, Jack Quinn might be like the fourth or fifth best player on that Ottawa 67s team. So right. that was like kind of interesting. Um, but I heard that, and I heard so many other people who were just like talking about not enough people talk about Jack Quinn and how like he was such a pure goal scorer and all this shit. So it was a weird reaction because some people were, um, like almost everyone was ripping the pick. But I mean, I read so much shit coming into the draft that was like, you know what, Jack Quinn's like an underrated, like, wow, he can score goals and shit. And so... If he went, why well, I don't remember who. If he went fifteenth to Toronto instead of eighth to Buffalo, and people are going to be, you know, praising the Leafs for said pick. Well, if Buffalo thinks that he is that that good and knows he's going to be that type of player, then why not fucking take him at eight? And so they got ripped, and they might have been getting ripped fairly or unfairly. I don't know. But all I know is they clearly thought he's a good player. They took him. They see him as a winger that can fit beside Eichel. And for some reason thought that they don't need a Marco Rossi. And went that way. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the hell's playing second line center for Ottawa, for Buffalo in, in a couple of years. But um, I guess Eric they'll, Stahl. They'll figure uh, it out next did, year. Did you hear about this? Yeah. Uh, they brought in 38-year-old Eric Stahl. Is. He's going to be the second line center for years to come. I will not take any slander of Thunder Bay players. Thank you. Uh, going ninth to the Minnesota Wild, Marco Rossi. I think that's a, a beautiful pick for the that's Wild. Awesome. That's that's unreal. That's, that's awesome. great. They they had to be pretty surprised at nine. I have to say to, to get a guy like that. That's uh, might be the best prospect they've had in like twenty years. <laughs> well, Maybe minus it. minus that Russian kid, uh, Kaprizov that they got. I, I think I Kaprizov. I think Kaprizov is going to be pretty that. effective in the NHL. Forty goal potential. Okay, okay. I, I I would say the best prospect they've had at the time of their draft because Kaprizov was a was a. An unknown, sure, essentially, sure, yeah. and now people are like, "Oh, he's yeah. unbelievable!" And yeah. well, that's great, but um, yeah, Rossi is a kid that they can get excited about. Yes. He is a uh, guaranteed will play in the NHL, just a matter of how good he's going to be. Undersized, I guess. Maybe your only concern. I'm, I'm never really concerned about that. So I think it's going to go without a doubt that he'll be the best Austrian-born player to play for the Wild uh, by the end of his career. Just, just has to get over the Thomas Vanekamp there. Uh, I'm sure he can do it. So. I feel like there was another guy too at some point. <clears throat> Probably. Where was Pavel Patera from? I don't. I don't know. He, uh, he played more games for the Wild than Marco Rossi has, James. The Winnipeg Jets at ten pick up Cole Perfetti. That is okay. exciting. So I'm biased here, okay? Because I because I'm related to Cole Perfetti. Well, I wish I fucking I fucking love Cole Perfetti. I haven't. Felt I haven't felt this way about a prospect pre-draft. I I maybe ever other than like when I saw the World Juniors and like John Tavares and and uh, who else was undrafted on that team? There was someone else. So I have wanted Cole Perfetti just to go somewhere good, somewhere where he's gonna fit perfectly. Where they, holy fuck, does he ever fit on the Jets? Like they they need someone else at center. They want to build around their forwards. They want to build around speed and skill. This was a fucking perfect player to fall for them. Because, like, also, like, a Canadian guy. And that helps in Winnipeg because those are the types of guys 
not generalizing here, that just want to play in Canada and a Canadian market, it's easier for Winnipeg to keep a Canadian than it would be to keep a guy from somewhere else where it's like, fucking Winnipeg sucks. Right. Fair enough. Winnipeg does suck, okay? But Cole Perfetti might just be able to deal with that because he's been living in Saginaw for a few years. So I'm sure, like, you know, Winnipeg's a step up. Maybe a couple steps up. Um, I love the pick. I was very happy. Uh, I do think that they're came out toward the top end of teams in the in the first round as well. Here, here's my um, way too early, way too bold prediction for Cole Perfetti. Calder Trophy. Uh, he is in the starting lineup January 1st yeah, I on his it. birthday for wow. Winnipeg Jets as yeah. a 19-year-old. I could see it. So. Winnipeg doesn't shy away from putting their prospects in right away. But I think he can do it too. That's yeah. the thing, right? Like I think he's ready. I think he's ready. He's so fucking good. Like yeah. For those of you who haven't watched Cole Perfetti... Uh, Look, uh, pull up on YouTube his highlights from the under-18 uh, tournament last year. The kid had a game where he went off for, like, a hat trick and scored, like, four goals in the fucking shootout to get the win. It was single-handedly maybe one of the most dominant performances I've ever seen in a hockey game of any kind. Mm-hmm. It was fucking insane. He is so fucking good. It's a great pick. Um, okay, so that's the top ten. We're going to kind of quickly jump through the rest of the round, just the highlights, uh, more or less. Yaroslav Askarov goes 11, first goalie taken to the National Predators. Uh, a lot of hype about this guy. Uh, big Russian uh, kid, uh, great numbers in the uh, MHL and uh, limited action in the KHL. Um, but we all know the story about goalies going in the first are round. You, are you, do you shy away from goalies in the first round? Are you one of them? I, I, I think, like... I think there's a, a a bit of logic behind shying away from it, the goalies in the first round. But the problem is, is like if if you decide that you are a team that like Nashville, where it's like, hey, in a couple of years we might really need a goalie, um, and and you think that there's one guy better than most, um, but you're not so sure he's going to be there come your second round pick. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes you just have to be smart about it and say to yourself, someone's going to take him at 28th or, you know, 37th, and we don't pick until 44th. So let's go for it. Like, you know, sometimes you got to roll the dice. Um, it's never been something that I'm, I'm a fan of, but I, I think for certain teams, like, they have to make that decision. So I, I don't shy away from goalies in the first round. I think. I think the, the fundamental problem of scouting goaltenders is because a lot of the, a lot of the leagues that we consider the best for evaluating 18-year-old NHL potential players are leagues in Canada that are centered around offense. And not just centered around offense, but within the 60 teams in the CHL, the talent level from the best player in the CHL to the weakest ones is such an insanely huge gap. So those leagues end up almost like minor hockey, where it's just like some nights it's an absolute crapshoot who's going to win. It's an absolute crapshoot who the best players are. And because of that, the games are wide open. The play becomes a lot harder to read. And when a guy goes on a run of three weeks where he only lets in two goals over those three weeks, or one goal uh, a game for those three weeks... All of a sudden, we turn and we look and we're like, well, this kid must be onto something. And we take a look at the guys who have the best numbers in the CHL, and they must be onto something. And when they have consistently good numbers, like a Carter Hart, then they must be the next thing. But even Carter Hart wasn't a super high draft pick. 
the problem is 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 there are so few examples of 18 year olds that you can tell are clearly dominant that you don't see it every day and there are odd examples where they go that high and they aren't that good having said that there are certain examples of goalies at 18 where you can tell they are that good and like you know, there were a lot of people who got upset about while well, Andre Vasilevsky did it, and then they well, it took him so long to get there. Fuck you, it took him that long to get there. It didn't fucking take him that long to get there. Andre Vasilevsky was in that net at a, at a pretty young age, and was only the second string because they happened to have a top five goaltender in the world at the time. They move on from Bishop. Yeah. Vasi gets the job. But we knew, like, Vasilevsky was a guy from day one that everyone knew he's fucking really good. Shesterkin's another guy, like, we've known since day one that he's going to be a good goalie. He comes in the NHL, and no one was shocked last year when he was great. So, if we see that this kid's that good, I've watched highlights, he looks like an NHL goaltender, uh, take him if you want. If it doesn't work out, that's fine. But a lot of these players aren't going to work out either. So, if you think that he's that good, and you genuinely believe in him, and you need that position, and you want to roll the dice... I don't think it's as stupid as people think it is to take a goalie in the first round. It's the same thing Florida's got Spencer Knight ready to go. If they think he's that good, which I'm a little more skeptical on, then fine, take him if that's what you believe you need to do. But Nashville felt comfortable enough that they felt that they were in a situation that they could take him, they could roll the dice, they felt good enough about him. And I think that that's a fine move. Their prospect pool isn't great. Uh, so that's the only reason why I was kind of like, well, you sure. could use a high-end talent player, and they go with that. So that's the one reason why I was like, okay, maybe a bad pick. But if they genuinely believe that he is going to be a top five or top ten goalie in the NHL, I think it's a good pick. I, I think I think a lot of the fear with the, the goalie thing is just the recent lack of success. You talked about Vasilevsky, and before him, you got to go back to Carey Price, really, to get another goalie that has been effective as a first-round pick, right? Like, Well, there's been yeah, a lot of misses. To live up to that hype, I guess, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Like, he, like Jonathan Bernier, like, never ended up being a starting goaltender that you could rely on in the NHL. You know, Chet Picker. No, but... Where, but where's that guy But now? that's the thing, though, right? Like, a lot of first-round players just go on to be, like, second, well, third-line yeah. guys, yeah. right? So, like, Jack Campbell's still a useful goalie. Jonathan Bernier, well, whatever, was... was Definitely, for a while, a useful goalie. Um, you know, so, like, that's the thing, is just when you take a goalie in the first round, the expectation is if they're not carry price level, then it's a bust. And to some degree, that's that's not unfair, because in a lot of cases, people look at these players that get drafted, and if you're not a first-line winger as a top-15 pick, you're a bust. Some of them end up being third-line guys that are pretty useful, though, right? Sure, so, sure. It, it just... It's all based on expectations to me, I think. When you take a goalie, they either have to be unreal or they're not. And maybe that's fair, maybe it's not, but I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida Panthers take the first fin of the draft. Anton Lundell mm-hmm. at 12. Uh, yeah, should be, should be a good guy. Uh, obviously got the connection there with Barkov. I was kind of hoping the Leafs were going to trade up once Lundell fell to 12. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of wanted Lundell, but... Uh, Seth Jarvis goes to Carolina as a result of the Patrick Marlowe uh, salary dump uh, that cost Leafs a first-round pick. Uh, effective guy, you know, could be solid second, third liner for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes down the road. Uh, the Oilers jump into the mix at 14. 
Uh, they pick up Dylan Holloway. Well, you know, it's a versatile forward. He can play all, all three positions and um, a bit of a project, I, I would say, in Holloway. Uh, I think yeah. that might take a few years, but uh, if it works out, it works out. Uh, the Leafs uh, grab Rodion Amarov uh, as a result of the Kasperi Kapanen trade that got them a first round pick. Um, uh, yeah, skill <laughs> skill winger out of Russia. I don't know. Fuck, I don't know who this guy is. You know, I'm not gonna lie to you. It's a lot of fun now because now that we have a podcast, like things will happen that you and I ordinarily would talk about. That now you and I don't talk about hockey almost at all from like podcast to podcast, right? So I didn't really know how you felt about this pick. I kind of figured I knew. I didn't think you'd be just so like, eh. Like I, I figured you'd have a stance one way or another. Um, I hear good things. Yeah. Okay, so I'm I'm sort of where you are, but I'm more on the I like it side. Um, like, this is another thing, though. Uh, I had people texting me, chirping the pick. And I had people talking to me the next day, chirping the pick. And I have to be honest with you. I don't see any way in hell any of these people are chirping me about Rodion Amarov that actually have a fucking clue who he is. You know what I mean? Sure. And and it's because... Well, I'm just going to say it's it. because he doesn't play defense. It's be, Well, I was going to say it's because he doesn't play in North America mm, that everyone sure. thinks it's a bad pick because Russians are quote-unquote sketchy. You know, like, I, I can't remember the last time... Oh, they're a, sketchy. A high Russian pick came into the <laughs> NHL and was just like, I'm not playing. It was super... Like, Alex Radulov, maybe, was the last guy. It was a while ago, and he's back. He's fine now. Yeah. You know, like... There was, a, there was a, a theme there for all. Sure there was. Yeah, There's a few guys that jumped. What was jumped. That, that Kirill Kabanov? You yeah. remember that fucking yeah. kid who, like, had top five talent? Islanders pick him in, like, the third round or something, and everyone's like, yeah, he might be the best player to come out of the draft. And who, he never the, came to North America. Who was the Russian kid that signed with Vegas for, like, a week? Oh, uh, uh, Schlepper. Well, I don't even remember, yeah. but yeah, they, they, well, yeah, but he played two games, but even he wasn't a kid. But it was one of those things like they weren't playing him. It was just a weird fit. Like I, I don't really look at Russians to be that big of a fucking risk as people think it is. Now, going back to that, uh, regardless, is he a good player? Or isn't he? There's a lot of scouting reports that. Um, say that he's very inconsistent and things like that, to which I would say he was an 18-year-old playing amongst uh, professional hockey players, playing in the best, second-best professional league in the world. Um, so, yeah, I don't expect him to be very fucking consistent. He had 10 points, or 5 points in 10 games, and uh, although they were picked in different parts of the draft, like, that's better than Kucherov did as an 18-year-old in that league. So, like, I wouldn't really fucking panic too much about the pick. Yeah. Uh, I watched highlights... He looks fucking outstanding, but the problem that I always say about highlight packages is it's a highlight package. Doesn't show me every shifty fucking hat. I don't know how bad he is sometimes either. The high end of his talent looks very good, and I remember seeing the comparison to Artemi Panarin, and I laughed, and then I watched him, and it looks like Artemi Panarin that shoots left. He's very solid in the KHL, at least. So I like the pick. The last point I want to make about it is... There are other people who are so far on the they should trade Marner, they should trade Nylander, all this shit, for a defenseman. Okay. But why make your forward group worse to make your defense better when if you have high-end forward prospects in the the sideline, if you're to trade Nylander, 
now you have an Amarov to put into the lineup. Like, why pick a defenseman to fill that hole if that defenseman can't fill that hole and now you still have to trade a forward to get that deep? Like, you want your forward talent group to be as good as you want as it possibly can be in Toronto. So you need to have guys waiting, ready to go. And I think Amarov is that, potentially. It's another high-end prospect for them. I, I think it's I think it's a good pick. I don't hate it. I just kind of I just kind of wanted them to trade it. I'm not gonna lie, but I just kind of hope he's like Ilya Mikhaev's best friend from Russia, and they're just gonna be boys. Did now. you Did you see that shit about how uh, how uh, uh, Dan Milstein now has yeah. five fucking clients that play for the Leafs? Show me the <laughs> money. Just, him and, and Dubas are just gonna be buddies Show now. Me the money. I, yeah, I love it. We're gonna uh, get every. I hope. I hope. In like five years, that every player on the Leafs is Russian, just to piss people off. Fuck it, I don't care. And Let's five foot nine. Russian, fuck yeah. Five fuck foot nine yeah. Russians. Yeah, and then we'll have like Zadorov on defense, just to kind of make the the average height. Yeah, exactly. yeah balance. Good. Exactly. Uh, Caden Gooley uh, goes sixteenth to the Montreal Canadiens, a defenseman. Uh, never heard of this guy. Sorry. Yeah. Never, um, never heard of him. He's an NA- he'll be an NHL player, from what I understand. Um, but it's just the the understanding of what he brings. Uh, like I heard, I saw a great tweet um, comparing him to Dion Phaneuf, and then someone had responded, "Yeah, but is it 2005 Dion Phaneuf or 2014 Dion Phaneuf?" And the the guy, the scout, responded, "Exactly." <laughs> like you know what I mean? It's like yeah, we sure. don't really know. So this this at least is a guy who's probably going to play for Montreal, and this is exactly what I was saying that I wanted the Leafs to avoid. But it doesn't mean it's a bad thing to do either. Like, this is a guy who's probably going to play for them and be productive, but he might not be anything more than, like, a fourth defenseman on an okay decor. If you get games out of the guy, though, it's not a horrible pick. So, I don't love it, but th- this is an unknown, I guess. So, I, whatever. We'll see what happens. For the first time ever, we have two Germans taken in the first round. Uh, Lucas Reichel, son of Robert, goes to the Chicago Blackhawks. Wait, is he actually? Yeah. Oh, I don't like the pick at all. Don't give him a penalty shot, I'll tell you that. Uh, he'll, he, I was going to say he won't score, but he, he also won the gold medal on a shootout, so I, I, I don't know. So how how is he like how is he German if his dad's Robert Reichel? His dad was playing in Germany when he was born. Oh, right, Robert Reichel played in Germany. Yeah. Weird. What a weird career that guy had. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting uh, development path. Why uh, <laughs> That's why you. That's why you don't sign European free agents. Am I right, folks? European pro wins a gold medal. All of a sudden, becomes like one of the highest like prospects in NHL. Has a fifty goal season. Goes to Germany to play hockey. Comes back. Isn't really all that great. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Forgot how to take penalty shots. That's for sure. Uh, At eighteen, Dawson Mercer goes to the New Jersey Devils as a result of the Taylor Hall trade. Um. Devils fans, I, I think they're going to be happy with that pick. At, at 18, to get a guy like Dawson Mercer, I think you can't really complain, especially yeah, when Dawson, you, Dawson you Mercer's know, another guy where hard. it's just kind of like he might be a middle six winger, but that's fine. Yeah. That's okay. The Rangers jumped up with the trade from Calgary to grab uh, Braden Schneider, a defenseman that uh, long was rumored to be uh, on the crosshairs of the Leafs at 15. Yeah. Uh, so he slips maybe a little bit down to 19 for the uh, for the Rangers. Fine. Uh, again, like I said, I don't want to like overanalyze every fucking pick. 
but no, um, I like Braden Schneider. Yeah, I think it's a good. Pick. Should be effective. Uh, the Devils uh, then back on the clock. They pick up Shakir Mukhamdulin uh, as a result of the JT Miller and then the Blake Coleman trade. This first round pick has gotten around uh, more than my. Yeah, I'm going to stop the sentence wow. there. <laughs> Malcolm um, Adulin was a guy that I kind of wanted the Leafs to trade down to pick, um, but that's fine. I actually do think that this is going to be a good pick for the Devils. Yeah, should be effective. You grab, you grab a, right. a, a skill winger at 18 and the defenseman at 20, you can't really complain. It's a good day of drafting. This is, uh, now we now we're at the best the best part of the draft. All right. This, uh, this is the, this, this might be... My second favorite moment in NHL draft history after uh, Saro Shudimoto. So, the Columbus Blue Jackets, as a result of the Matt Duchesne trade, um, get the twenty-first overall pick. They grab a Russian. As a result of the Matt Duchesne trade, good they, god! They get a Russian by the name of Igor Chinakov. He plays hockey. <laughs> he is a hockey player, supposedly. He's, he's um, Russian. So. For those of you who didn't watch the draft, here's what happened. Is the Blue Jackets took Igor Chinikov, and then they went back to the studio, and Sam Cosentino, who, if you don't watch Sportsnet, is, um, I guess, the Canadian prospect guru. I don't really know that there's anyone that quite does Sam Cosentino's job, but Sam Cosentino uh, commentates a lot of OHL games. Uh, is a draft ranking guy, probably should be working as a professional scout, but is so good on TV that he they just kind of throw money at him and he just does it that way. Very valuable to junior hockey in Canada, for sure. Um, if he says a guy's good, I'm inclined to believe it. Uh, they went to, to Sam Cosentino and he's like, yeah, I've, I've I've heard of him, I, but i got to be honest with you. I don't have anything prepared on this guy. I didn't think we'd be talking about him today. He's like, I prepared like 80, 90 guys like just in case, but he was not on that list. This is a shock for sure. He's like, I remember reading something about him recently. It says uh, he's been playing better. But he's like, that's all I got, really. And then uh, Brian Burke's like, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to guess he's Russian and he's a winger probably. And then they went over to Elliot Friedman, and Elliot Friedman's like, Mike, you got anything? Mike Fuda, the former assistant general manager until like a couple months ago of the LA Kings, is standing there flipping through notes being like, I got nothing. This guy was literally scouting prospects up until a few months ago. Didn't know about him. It's awesome. Oh, man, I love it. It was so funny. There were, there were guys who did like online scouts who rank if you reached or not kind of thing and just like analytically break down the draft. And there's a little column that would say what range they expected the guys to go in. So it would be like Shakir Makamadoulin, like uh, anywhere from 16th to 30th or something. And then, uh, you know, uh, Dawson Mercer, like uh, 14th to 21st or whatever. And then they got to Igor Shinikov and this guy was like 93rd to 217th. So, I'm not going to say it's a bad pick, because I have no idea. I watched his highlight reel. He doesn't look great, but whatever. I, I don't know. I think this is this is going to be the smartest pick of the draft. This kid, he wasn't rated high, okay? okay? But think about when those rankings were made. End of last season, prior to the pause of the pandemic. This kid's playing in the KHL against men, and he's second in the league in scoring. I think this is a pick that is reflective of, on what the pandemic produced, 
in where the NHL had to stop its season, had to delay all of its things. Meanwhile, the rest of the world carried on. The KHL is playing their season, and this kid is lighting it up over there. And I think if the draft takes place in June, yeah, he probably goes 93rd to 217th. But if we were to have the ability to have scouts leave the country and go and scout these players overseas and you know make these updated predictions for, say, the draft next year... This kid's probably a top 15, top 10 pick. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, on pace to break Alex, Alexander Ovechkin's 19-year-old uh, uh, season in the KHL. So, could be a but good what, pick. What are his numbers? He's got uh, five goals and nine points through 12 games in the KHL. It's pretty good. Yeah. He's <laughs> looking pretty solid. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I was, again, to go back to it, like, I was watching his highlight reel. Like, he definitely can shoot. There's no doubt about it. He's got a nice shot. Uh, his skating looks like I would say bad to very bad, but um, that can sort of be improved. It's yeah. one thing like you yeah. can, you can kind of smooth your stride out. You can't really get that much faster yeah. as time goes on. Uh, but. And, and and if that's if that's how you've played the game, then you learn how to yeah. make yourself yeah. you know available. So yeah, I, honestly, like I don't hate the pick. I I don't hate it, but it's very confusing. Is all. Um, at 22, the Capitals pick up Hendricks Lapierre. Good pick. Uh, well, uh, a good player, uh, but four concussions in the last 12 months have me a little bit worried about this guy. Um, not, not too sure I want him playing at the he's, NHL level. He's got but the coolest name in the first round. He does. Round. Hendricks. So, well, actually, that's not true. Shakir Makamadoulin. <laughs> what are we talking about? Ma- Maverick, also going to Dallas. Oh, a guy named Rodion got picked in the first round. Did you hear about this? True. Uh, the Flyers take uh, Centerman uh, 23, uh, Tyson Forster. Uh, I've heard the name. I know nothing about him. Yeah, I don't know much about him. Yeah. Right, to be honest uh, with you. That was the only name in the first round. Actually, that's not true. There's another guy coming up. But uh, The Calgary Flames finally pick uh, in the first round, dropping down five spots to 24th. They grab Connor Zeri. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. He's not too not too thrilled about this guy. Yeah. Um, doesn't doesn't wow me on paper, but okay. Uh, I, I like it. Twenty five. The Avalanche take defenseman Justin Barron. Trump. Uh, J- Justin Barron. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, f- probably probably going to be a fucking Conn Smythe winner in three years because the Avalanche just do that when they draft defensemen. Apparently, so. yeah. Like it's just like here was the thing I was thinking about at the draft is isn't it just insane that. Like, do you ever wonder how guys get ranked, like, 20th overall or something like that, and then they get picked, like, 20th overall, and someone's like, ah, it's a bit of a reach or it's a bad pick? Like, how do how are we able to roast picks in the first round, knowing full well that some guys just are better than others? And so it's one of those things where it's like, ah, Justin Barron might be the best defenseman to come out of the draft. Well, why the fuck didn't he go higher? I know because of his injuries and illness or whatever the fuck it was. I know he missed, uh, what was it, concussion or something he had? I do not know. Something, I don't know. I know I know he had some bad luck last year and missed some time. Um, but he is supposed to be very good. He was a guy I wanted the Leafs to target. And maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blues take Jake Neighbors at 26. I don't know so who that is. He'll be a depth winger. I, I read that it was a bad pick. That's yeah. all I know. Uh, Jacob Perot goes to the Ducks as a result of the Andre Casa trade. Remember really, that? really big fan of that pick. Really big du- fan of Jacob Ducks did Perot. good to, uh, in the draft. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm good. Honestly, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. You don't love the Ducks. I just want the Ducks to be good. 
Now that they don't have Bobby or uh, uh, Corey Perry anymore, yeah, I dare you. Um, yeah, don't hate them as much. I dare you misspeak. Yeah. Um, for their third pick in the first round, the Sens grab Ridley Gregg from the Jean Gabriel Pagano trade. Oh, that is trade. another guy I don't know who it is. Yeah, never heard of that guy. Heard of him. Uh, I'm assuming he's like Mark Gregg's son. Okay. Uh, but no idea. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights get on the board with a versatile forward, Brendan Brisson, at 29. I uh, kind of thought this guy was going to go a little higher. Um, only because, like I said, he's, he's a very versatile guy. Can play all three forward positions. Um, well, plus you want to get in good with his dad, right? Yeah, exactly. Pat Brisson. Um, uh, the Dallas Mavericks. Sorry, the Dallas Star. The Mav- Maverick. Maverick Bork goes to the Stars. Dallas. Dallas drafts Maverick. There's a Maverick in Dallas. Uh, I don't know anything about this guy. I think it's fucking hilarious. It's a great name. Uh, uh, I love, love his work. Uh, big, love his work. Big, uh, appreciate the Mr. and Mrs. Bork for uh, getting that name out there and, and getting getting him playing hockey. Uh, rounding out the first round, uh, the San Jose Sharks uh, draft Ozzy Weisblatt um, as a result of the Barkley Goodrow trade. Nice little moment there. We had uh, Doug Wilson mm-hmm. Jr. spelling out for um, in sign language Ozzy's mother uh, d- deaf. Uh, so um, yeah, really cool. Yeah, nice little touching really gesture cool. there. And it was just one of those things, like, they're sitting at home watching the draft, not yeah. even knowing if he's going to go when he goes to the last pick of the yeah. night. Like, that was really cool. And I, uh, uh, not to, to pivot, because it's not nearly cool for the same reasons, but I guess we really didn't mention that uh, Alex Trebek made the third pick of the draft oh, yeah. for Tim Stutzla, which uh, I thought was really cool. I, I loved it. I'm not going to lie. I love um, Alex Trebek. I, I thought it was fantastic. Um, but I was also, uh, at the same time, very disappointed when fifth pick came and like they didn't it have just like, they, they didn't have like you know some other game show host like they probably prepared two versions of that video where one was Stutzla and one was Byfield oh, and they're they like oh they, what, are, what are we gonna do for the for the fifth and yeah. it's like well I don't fucking know who the fuck knows here's Jerry D from Canadian Family Feud with the fifth pick I know the Simpsons at uh, fifth they're gonna take uh, show me and then he just turns around and then like have to like. CGI and whatever pick they actually make. We go know? live to Ben Mulrooney at the Canadian Idol stage. Ben, and it's like Carly Rae Jepsen singing out the pick. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, that's the first Isn't round of the crazy draft. crazy that Carly Rae Jepsen came from Canadian Idol? Like that show actually produced... the show. I mean, like now disgraced singer Jacob Ho- Hogard and Carly Rae Jepsen both came from fucking Canadian Idol. I did not know that. Like, that's pretty cool. Uh, she didn't even win. Probably not. She was like they never do something. The ones the ones that are most successful ever win. Well, she's not a great singer, but, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, she can call me maybe. For that sure. is the first round of the draft. Uh, we I don't know if, even know if you want to talk about anything else from the draft. We could maybe even just close. The well, door on it's that. it's hard to talk about the second round because it's still going on. But right, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> like yeah, I don't know. Like the the I thought the the Kings did really well. Um, they got Helgi Grands in the second round who was a guy that a lot of people had projected going, like, 18th to 20th overall, and they got him 35th. So Mm -hmm. um, they're able to get Byfield. They're able to get Grands. Like, I think that that's pretty big. That Murat uh, Kuznodinov went to the Wild as well in the second round. He was another guy that, like, there was a conversation of him going in the first round pretty mid to, mid like, mid-range at least in the second round. So um, I like that pick for the Wild. I thought that they did well. Um... But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I like there's not too much to cross over. I, I did think I, it was pretty cool that the Kings got uh, Quentin Byfield and Alex Lafreniere. That's true. Yeah, that, that that's pretty true. cool. It's hard I mean, to do. Not a lot of teams can say that they pulled that off. No, no. <laughs> um, I I do 
actually think that Montreal um, with Jan Mysak in the second round too is that that is, was brilliant. I don't like, and that's where that's where I'm coming back to is every scout loves him. So why the fuck is he going 48th? Like I don't understand how that's not a guy that is getting picked like 10th to 12th. Then if he's if everyone thinks he's so good, so sneaky talented, plays in the OHL. Why is he going so late? Like, mm-hmm. I just, I don't understand it. It's it's such a weird concept to me, but I think it's a good pick. Like, everything I've read about Jan Mysak, everything I've watched of him, he's a good player. So. Yeah. Um, Chris Stripper being able to draft his own kid in the uh, seventh round, too. Uh, nice moment. Sure. Never play in the NHL, but nice moment. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, that's, that's the draft. I don't really think we have to go back and address anything else from that. So we're going to get to all these signings, all the buyouts, all the trades that followed. Um, so October 7th, we got Dylan DeMello signing with a, the Winnipeg Jets for four years, $3 million cap hit. Obviously, the Jets uh, decimated last year with the, the decor turnover that they experienced. Uh, so being able to keep a guy like Dylan DeMello that they, they didn't pay high for when they brought him in, but obviously you want to keep those guys and, and, and make sure that you have you know six NHL defensemen for next season mm. and, uh, and they're, they're definitely uh, <laughs> getting close to half of that yeah. so so uh, starting starting uh, on the right foot I'd say by, by getting that guy locked up little little, little high I'd, I'd say in the cap hit only because with a cap uh, being flat for the next couple of years you never really know um, how the dollars and pennies are going to shake down but can't, can't I, really I'll complain. say the cap hits high yeah because there's a modified no trade. Mm. If that was just a straight deal, I think that is pretty much market value for Dylan DeMello. But probably, um, yeah, like he's a Dylan DeMello is a very good fourth defenseman that uh, is capable of playing on a top pairing with the right guy. I just don't think Josh Morrissey's the right guy. Yeah, but um, that doesn't make it a bad signing. Because in theory, if you can acquire some better defensemen and move DeMello down your depth chart a little bit, that's right where he should be anyway. But he's capable of playing those minutes. I mean, there's a decent chance that Pionk and Morrissey play together and then DeMello's your second pairing guy, and that's great. Mm-hmm. So, uh, The Lightning bring back a couple RFAs in Gamel Smith and Mitchell Stevens. I'm assuming they're real people. They're listed here on the page in front of me. Um, the Edmonton Oilers almost somewhat surprisingly, uh, end up reaching a deal with uh, RFA Jesse Pugliarvi, who famously sat out all of last year. Uh, a two-year deal with a 1.175 cap hit. Mm. Um, he was just in Finland working on his jawline with exactly. where he went. So. This is fucking interesting. I, I think, like... Yeah. I think there's still something to it. him. Uh, yeah, so do I. And if you can throw him into that, you know, fucking top six in Edmonton... The th- okay. The thing for me with Pugliarvi was... If he doesn't want to be there, then this then this pick isn't going to work out. Yeah. Right? And for me, like, it looked like it was at that point where the Oilers had exhausted their time with Pugliarvi. And they were going to have to trade him for um, pennies on the dollar because of how they treated him. But now, whether it's because his agent told him to, or the Oilers pressured him back into it, or because he actually wants to be there, he signed for another two years on that fucking team. Mm-hmm. And... So that leads me to believe that he wants to be there. Yeah. And as we're going to get to, I actually think the Oilers forward group got a lot better over the last few days. I think so. So, uh, I mean, they got maybe worse in other areas, but like their forward group has definitely improved. And I do think um, 
I do like this. Like, it's just, there, there's no point in trading him for pennies on the dollar. At this stage, I would rather him play these two years, just fucking fade out of the league like Nail Yakupov, than trade him for nothing and wonder what could have been. Yeah, exactly. Fuck it, try it, you've already gone this far, let's see. I think happens. it's a win-win for both parties at the end of the day, so. Probably. Yeah. Um, Max Domi signs a two-year deal at a $5.3 million cap it with the Columbus Blue Jackets after the trade. Look, I, I think the cap it is very reasonable. I, I think that's exactly, like, maybe even a little cheap, like, that you're getting Max Domi for. But, like, does this guy love his fucking air mile points or something like that? Because, like, I'm I'm really surprised he, he couldn't, like, shake down a longer deal uh, <clears throat> with, the, uh, with the Blue Jackets. Like, even a four-year type of situation keep him grounded in, in a market for a few fucking years here mm-hmm. like I, I this this feels to me like a guy that's going to hit ufa in two years and then just be off somewhere else his agent is darren ferris and darren ferris is a fairly aggressive agent because he tries to maximize the dollars as best he can he's not very strategical where he tells you to you know take the security like he he doesn't really he he tries to get you the most amount of money possible and if he feels that max domi for two years is maybe you know a, a smart move to get him paid in the long run and i actually think it is i i i i think that max Domi's going to be pretty solid in columbus so i do like the deal um but you're right i mean it, it's a risk for him because in two years from now, you know, maybe he's a maybe he's taken a one year, one million dollar show me contract. If that second year doesn't go well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to say, but I don't mind it. A uh, pair of buyouts from the National Predators on uh, this day as well. Steven Santini gets bought out, uh, as well as Kyle Turris, which is going to be eating up two million dollars worth of cap space for the next uh, eight seasons. Um, Pretty wild. I, I did not see Kyle Turris getting bought out by Nashville. I, 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 I'm assuming they couldn't find anyone to, you know, find a trade where they could retain maybe, you know, half the salary or something like that. But, um, yeah, uh, so he hits the open market um, uh, two days before what would be the opening of free agency. Um, as well, we had a couple of trades on this day. Um, this is obviously day two of the draft. Um, so kicking things off, getting getting the day started with a bang, the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins acquire Jonathan Gruden and a second round pick uh, in that day's uh, round for the rights to Matt Murray, going back to the Ottawa Senators local boy Matt Murray and his two Stanley Cup rings coming to the nation's capital. Um, this was an area of, of need for the Ottawa, Ottawa Senators. Uh, they obviously felt that they didn't want to play the uh, the signing game on free agency day with uh, with any of these guys yeah. trying to convince them to come to play for Eugene Melnick. Um, so they go with the trade route and they bring in Matt Murray and I think it was uh, pretty fucking brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's more likely that Matt Murray at 26 is going to have a bounce back season <coughs> than uh, like Corey Crawford at 35. So, I mean, like I don't really know why. Like this is he's one of the best goaltenders on the market. No matter what, I don't really care what the numbers said last year. Like he is more likely to develop into a starting goalie than a guy who used to be a starting goalie, but is a hundred million years old and just happened to have bad years last year. You know what I mean? Like 
I'd rather bet that there's potential in Matt Murray than fucking Braden Holtby at this stage. So sure, uh, or get into a bidding war with a guy like Jacob Markstrom. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, and even that I don't think would have been a fit. The thing with Matt Murray is that conceivably the Senators might be competing for a playoff spot in two to three years, and Matt Murray at that point will be twenty eight, twenty nine. And still a useful NHL goaltender. And if he develops the way that you think he's going to be... Like, this trade reminds me a lot of when the Leafs traded for Frederick Anderson. Uh, The only real difference is that Matt Murray didn't have a good year last year. And Anderson was coming off of a great year in Anaheim. But, like, he's still a goalie where um, a lot of people feel like his potential has yet to be unleashed. There's a lot of people who think that he can develop into a uh, high-end starting goaltender. And... um, I like the trade for Ottawa. I think it, I think it's a great, great fit, and um, yeah, I'm I'm very happy for Matt. Uh, the Minnesota Wild bring in Nick Benino uh, in exchange for Luke Kunin. Uh, some picks were exchanged in there as well uh, during all of that. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really love it. Minnesota Wild kind of bet, banking on a guy to come in and and uh, maybe you know help show some of the young kids how it's done like a guy that's won before uh, I don't know I, I think there's still some upside to Luke Coonan, Uh so I think this could kind of backfire on them a little bit but obviously they felt that he wasn't necessary to their future and uh, went a different route so a 4.1 million dollar cap hit uh, with Nick Benino. Uh price pricey to pay uh, I'll put it that way um Lots of uh, trades involving uh, picks going back and forth. I won't bore anybody with those. But the Rangers uh, and the Kings do get together for a player that is actually uh, uh, <laughs> physical. <laughs> he exists. It wasn't just a number on a board. Real potential yeah. NHL player. Here. Uh, Elias Anderson goes to the Kings in exchange for a second-round pick back to the Rangers. Fucking the Kings just keep getting like smarter and smarter. Like, they're just adding piece by piece. Whether this guy doesn't really even turn out to be one of their better prospects. He can still, I think, easily slide into a bottom six role and just fill out your fucking team in a few years. He'll, he'll benefit from a fresh start, yeah. right? Like, we talked about how, you know, he had asked for a trade this season and how things weren't going well in New York. And it's just one of those things, I think, they kind of rushed him into the lineup. I mean, like, th- this was his third year in the league. He's 21. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a seventh overall pick, but... I think Elias Anderson is a very classic example of a player who just made a lineup because um, because the team was bad and he was among the better options that they had. So um, I like the fit a lot. I, I, I think this is a good opportunity for a fresh start for the kid. And I think this is a pretty decent uh, by relatively low move by the, by the Kings. Definitely. Uh... Rob Blake, man. Rob Blake is a sneaky good general manager. Like, he just... He really hasn't made a bad move since he's been there. Maybe signing Doughty, but... <laughs> and, I mean, who, who among us wouldn't have made that deal, right? Am I right? <laughs> he, made, he hasn't made a bad move other than maybe the worst move in the NHL over the last four, four years, but... I mean, in hindsight, like, I, I had no idea the bottom was going to fall right the fuck out on Drew Doughty immediately either. You know what I mean? True. Like, who would have thought that was going to happen? 
the day before free agency opens, a few guys getting their deals, RFAs in before the wire. Uh, Noel Juleson back with the Montreal Canadiens in a one-year deal. Um, Adam Ernie and Taro Hiros in Detroit getting deals done. Josh Anderson, the big one of the day, uh, getting seven years. Good gravy. For uh, $5.5 million per with the Montreal Canadiens. Um, sure. Yeah. I don't know. Like, fucking good luck, I guess. Like, if, if the guy turns into a 30-goal scorer, you're laughing. But he's got to stay healthy to play enough games to score 30 goals. So... Um, I, I hope the best for him. Like I like Josh Anderson. Like I, I yeah, want, I want him to be a seven-year, five and a half million dollar player. But I just don't know if it's in the cards for him. And uh, I guess time will tell. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. Like it, it's, it, it's one of those things. It was kind. It kind of reminded me of when they signed Andrew Shaw. Like it was just like at at absolute best. He's worth maybe close to that cap hit, but at his worst, he might not be worth anything. Yeah, and so it was the same thing with Andrew Shaw, right? It was like four point five. It's like, yeah, I mean, when he's on, he might be worth like four million dollars, <laughs> but like, even at his best, it's an overpayment. You know what I mean? Like they're they're paying him well beyond his ceiling. I think with Josh Anderson, maybe yeah, five and a half, six mil. I think it's possible. He turns into somewhat of a Gallagher-esque player, but just bigger, more physical, but not as talented. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just like, there were a lot of people, too, that compare him to Joel Armia. And it's like, well, would you have given Joel Armia that fucking deal? No, you wouldn't have. So, how is this a good deal, then? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make any sense. It's, uh, it's It's an overpayment. Um, it's, it's, it's an overpayment, but it's way too long of a term to me. Yeah. Like, that is, uh, that's this, six more years than I would have given Josh Anderson. Th- this is the deal that I thought Max Domi was going to get. The five and a half million cap hit. I would have been better with that. seven years, right? Yeah. Like, let this guy put some roots down. But, um, instead Josh Anderson gets to put roots down in Montreal and maybe can avoid the LTIR for most of those years. I so. can't remember an example of a player in the last however many years that got traded signed a deal immediately after the trade before playing a game that has worked out mm-hmm. like Justin Falk not looking great yeah JG J. Pajot fine not great you know uh, Zemgis Gergensen's back with the Buffalo Sabres on a three year deal at a 2.2 million dollar cap hit whatever it's fine uh, I'm not gonna really criticize Buffalo too much for that one they like the guy clearly um, he's been around. He knows the system. He's probably buddy buddy with Jack Eichel, for all we know. Um, the cap hit's not going to kill you. And uh, say love you. Got to get to the cap floor in Buffalo, I guess. So mm-hmm. uh, Sam Lafferty back with the Penguins in a two year RFA deal. Um, that is October eighth. There were a couple buyouts. The Columbus Blue Jackets uh, shedding uh, Alex Winberg and his uh, cap hit. Uh, from uh, their payroll as well. The New Jersey Devils pulled the trigger on getting rid of Corey Schneider two years remaining at $6 million. Um, uh, Yeah, again, just smart move, but unfortunate. A lot of buyouts this year, kind of out of the norm, but with, you know, actual physical dollars being hard to come by for some of these, you know, small market owners, um, necessary evils. Schneider's a tough one. Like, that's just... uh... That's just unfortunate that it, it didn't work out for him. I, it wasn't a it wasn't a bad contract. In fact, it was actually a at the time it was signed a mm-hmm. good signing. But 
um, his his body shot, his groin is shot, uh, or his knee or whatever it is. One of them is is absolutely fucked. Um, we uh, so yeah, sorry. Uh, we mentioned the Blue Jackets buying out Wenberg, shedding some money. They made a pair of trades this day as well, uh, bringing Ooh. in Cliff Poo. Uh, in exchange for Marcus Nudivara to the uh, Florida Panthers, that's two and a, two and two point seven million dollars off the cap books, as well as uh, flipping Ryan Murray to the Devils for get this a fifth round pick for for Ryan Murray. You know Ryan Murray, the the defenseman that's probably their was their third best defenseman and is going to easily play second pair of minutes in New Jersey, if not first line minutes. Uh, for for a fifth, yeah. Any other teams have any fifths out there? A fourth, perhaps. Does anyone have, can I hear a fourth? Do we have a fourth? Yeah. This, I've... like, I mean, we're we're gonna get there, but just like, it's increasingly frustrating for me to watch that and then see certain other defensemen get certain other fucking deals in free agency and just know that, you know what I mean? Like, you can have Ryan Murray at that price is is kind of annoying. Um, he's a uh, very very stellar defensive defenseman who skates like the freaking wind um he can't stay healthy but i would almost rather roll the dice that he can stay healthy because he is very good when he's healthy mm-hmm. so yeah um so blue jackets obviously gearing up for something with all the money they moved out that day uh erica branson also gets traded to the ottawa senators in exchange for a fifth round pick so get this a fifth round pick could get you erica branson or it could get you Ryan Murray. I don't really know what drugs NHL GMs are smoking these days, but that's uh, that's market value for a fifth round pick. There are there are few players that it shocks me are still in the NHL to the level that it shocks me the gutters still in the league. That's like, fair. I just yeah. I I by all accounts a good dude. That's all I really know. Mm. He was uh, uh, Cody Fraser's stallmate at the uh, uh, Ontario fucking whatever when they were uh, teenagers. Former guest of the podcast. That's right. Yeah. Gutter. Um, okay, so that brings us to the big day, uh, October 9th, classic free agent frenzy day. We all know what October 9th, circle on the calendars. Fucking uh, Leafs should have been playing the Habs yeah. on October 9th. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> fuck me. Uh, getting the day started was uh, a slew of RFA deals that just, I guess, took a little bit longer. These guys uh, uh, apparently get to bed early, um, as do their agents, so we had to wait till morning for them to check their emails. Uh, Reed Duke and Jimmy Schultz back with the uh, Las Vegas... Uh, I said Las Vegas, that felt weird. The Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, Victor Mete returns to the Habs on oh, a yeah, one-year you know deal. song, Viva Vegas? Yeah, Viva Vegas. Viva Vegas. Uh, Victor Vic, Met- Vic Vega. Victor Meta and his, and his one-year Victor deal. Uh, one year for every goal Meta scored Dana. in his career. Uh, Dominic Kubelik and Malcolm Subban return to the Chicago Blackhawks as RFAs. Uh, Subban, uh, I think, honestly, this is a move that uh, just is kind of geared towards making sure they have enough NHL-level goaltenders available for the expansion draft. Uh, that's going to come next year. I, I can't really see him being an effective guy at the NHL level anymore, even as a backup. His numbers have never really been. Yeah, I was going to say like uh, to a stick you, you said anymore, and it's that implies the 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 idea that he ever yeah, was. Fair. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly sucks. I really kind of hoped Malcolm Subban was going to be uh, 
a good NHL goalie. I mean, he's 26. Like, he's not old, but he, he hasn't really shown signs of getting much better mm-hmm. over the last few years, so I don't know. Uh, Dominic Kublik, the uh, Calder runner-up, obviously uh, getting in with Chicago. $3.7 million cap, but I don't think you can really complain with that. He's shown a little bit of promise um, the last couple of years in Chicago, so, you know, I, I think that's that's a very reasonable cap it to bring him in at, and um, it might be a steal, honestly, in the next two years by the time the deal is up. Uh, that brings us to the first UFA signing of the day, um, which was a one-year deal at $1.5 million for Wayne Simmons to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm. Uh, the Wayne train is pulling into Union Station. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he uh, He plays hockey. It reminds me of the old Simpsons joke where uh, Principal Skinner and uh, Mrs. Krabappel are getting into an argument and uh, Principal Skinner just out of uh, pure rage yells out, Oh, come on, Edna, we all know these children have no futures, but they're like in the lunchroom, so all the kids heard and like it's just pure silence. And Principal Skinner, like trying to save face, just turns around. <laughs> Prove me wrong, kids. Prove me wrong. I feel like I'm Principal Skinner in this uh, in this example because every person and their dog wants uh, Wayne Simmons on the Toronto Maple Leafs, and I don't. Um, I don't want him on there at league minimum, and I certainly don't want him on there for over double league minimum with a full fucking no movement clause. Um, because the problem with a full no movement clause is you can't um, send them to the minors. So, considering we signed a, what is to me, an AHL player who can't be sent to the AHL, (laughs) I really don't like it. Um, I am willing to say that maybe there's still something there. But I have seen no proof in the last two years that Wayne Simmons is anything more than, at best, a 13th forward on at least the Leafs. So, I don't like it. Now, you, you have to imagine that this is strictly, I, at the I, end of the day, a deal that's going to help them get to the cap floor. <laughs> it's the only way it makes sense. Yeah, you remember all that freaking money that the Leafs have to play with? For sure. Yeah. Why, why don't we just burn uh, 30% of that cap space yeah. on Wayne Simmons? Yeah. Look, like, I... Uh, I could be wrong. I I really like Wayne Simmons. Like, I love the dude. I think he's fucking awesome. If you would have told me three years ago that Wayne Simmons would be a Toronto Maple Leaf one day, I'd be freaking ecstatic. The problem is, is the last three years have happened. (laughs) uh, Wayne Simmons' body's very aware of that, so I I don't know. Like, I just, I don't get it at all. And there are other, like, even if you want to go that, that veteran route, that the guys can all rally around. Oh, there's some names we're going to get to. That type of guy. Like, I shit you not, man. I don't think he's good either. I'd rather give Patrick Maroon this deal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't get this. The back-to-back Stanley Cup winner is going to take less money. Bobby Ryan took less money. Yeah. Like, I get, if you're looking for toughness, great. But, like, Bobby freaking Ryan. (laughs) Like, what are we talking about here? Um... I was gonna, I had a point. I was going to make a point, and I can't remember what my point was. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like I, I hope, I hope, hope the best for the guy. Obviously, but um, 
I'm, I'm getting a lot of David Clarkson 2.0 vibes here. Mind yeah. you, we don't have to wait around for five years for that to play itself well, through. The, the good news is we didn't have to wait five years for David Clarkson oh, also to play true. itself through. Yeah. Uh, Bobby Ryan, as you mentioned, goes to the Detroit Red Wings on a one-year, $1 million cap hit. Fucking love it. That's great for Bobby Ryan. He's going to go to Detroit. He's, he's, he's not going to a market where... You know he's he's going to play third line minutes. He's going to Detroit. He's probably going to be on the first fucking line. Like this is an opportunity where the guy could go out there and put up 40, 50 points, get his career back on track overnight, oh, and then be a free agent again. I I wouldn't be shocked if he put up sixty points. Eh. Like honestly, I I don't really think he's as washed as people think he is, and I am one of those people. I mean, I'm a Bobby Ryan fan, so I might be a little biased, but. I sort of place some of his struggles on his health problems, too, in the last few oh, years. Oh, for sure. Right? So, um, he goes there, and if he plays with Dylan Larkin, like, I I think that that's a good fit. So, we'll yeah. see. Could easily get his career back on track, going in the right direction. Patty Maroon, as you mentioned, re-ups with uh, the Lightning. Uh, two years, $900,000 cap hit. That's weird. I didn't think players of his makeup went that cheap. Um... Luke Shin also being brought back into the fold. I saw, I saw a tweet, like I saw because it, it happened like at the same time as as Simmons. Like it all sort of happened at the same time. Yeah. And I saw a tweet: Patrick Maroon and Luke Shen are going back. And all I saw was Luke Shen going back, and I'm like, we fucking got him. We fucking got him. <laughs> nah, we didn't get him. Probably for the best. Um, I mean, yeah. yeah. Like I want, you do want that I championship want to, pedigree. But. I want Luke Shen back, even though I know it's not a good idea. Yeah. Like, Luke Shen is maybe my Wayne Simmons, where it's like, if he ever comes back to the Leafs, I'll be so fucking happy, but it's probably not a great yeah. idea. Uh, Tyler Mott uh, re-ups with the Vancouver Canucks as an RFA. The uh, details, for some reason, <laughs> do not exist, so I don't know. How much money they're paying him, but I I'm wanna, sure it's fine. I want to say that Vancouver's one of the teams that doesn't release financial details mm. um, when it happens. Cap Friendly, though, confirms it two years, 1.225. Sure. Good for Tyler Mott. Um, Radko Gudis goes to the Florida Panthers. A three-year deal at a $2.5 million cap hit. Um, I'm sure that'll be fine for year one, maybe for year two, and Hopefully for year three. I don't know. That guy's body's kind of shutting down pretty quick. But, uh, yeah, it's a low-risk type of type of signing for the Florida Panthers, I'd say. Goodis? Yeah. Uh, it's too much term, I think, but... Um, yeah, yeah. By, by a year. Probably. Yeah. Like, he's he's on the decline. I kind of wanted Goodis to go to Toronto. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's on the decline, and... I don't know. It's fine. I don't hate it. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Uh, John Merrill goes to the Red Wings uh, one year, $925,000. Yeah, I don't know uh, where they're, how they're meeting the cap for. Yeah. <laughs> like, they, they could have, they should, honestly, I know I bitched about this earlier, they should just give, like, John Merrill, like, $10 million. And she'd be like, you know what? You won the fucking lottery here, yeah. right? <laughs> uh, I, as, since we've been recording, I'm pretty sure they send a, a goalie to a big hit. Um, oh, we'll right. Get to yeah, that we'll get there. Yeah. Uh, Carter Vitt goes across state on a two-year deal to the Florida Panthers at a $1 million cap hit. Yeah. That's a nice little depth signing, I think, that that, yeah. that, that could really be beneficial yeah, for, uh, for Florida. Really good. Like, one of the best signings, I yeah. think, of the free agent period. That's really good. Uh, the goalie train starts to uh, fall as uh, Henrik Lundqvist and his long-awaited arrival to the Washington Capitals is agreed upon one year, $1.5 million contract for uh, the King. Yeah. 
That's gonna be a weird Ray Bork moment for sure when he lifts the cup. Like that's just a fucking. Well, it's either gonna be a weird <sighs> Ray Bork moment when he lifts the cup, or it's gonna be a weird Martin Broder moment where he's out of the league in thirty games. I think. Uh, <laughs> I think at some point in the next few weeks, I want to do like a, an exercise where you and I come up with what the weirdest examples of like current NHL players to see in a different jersey would be. Um, like, just a hypothetical, you know what I mean? Like, a fucking, sure. you know, Joe Thornton in a fucking, like, Coyotes jersey or some shit would be, like, jarring to think about, right? But Lundquist in Washington would have been on the list. Like, that's so fucking weird. Like, the Rangers and Capitals are, like, you think Penn's caps, but, like, Rangers caps is a pretty big rivalry, had a goal too. There, yeah. That's a really weird thing to think about. Yeah. Um, but as a fit... I think it's great. I, I think I it's think, a perfect fit. I think, honestly, at the end of the day, Henrik Lundqvist had to take into account um, what was going to replace uh, his iconic Statue of Liberty head on his pads. And I think the Capitol building is a perfect little fit there. <laughs> I, you know, you're not going to find that type of monument in Minnesota. Okay. You know, you're not going to have that type of fit in, like, Edmonton. There's just no real structure to put on the pads. Uh, Capitol Hill, it's a big selling okay. point. So I think that yeah. fits. It's a good move. Yeah, for 1.5 for Capitol Hill. I yeah. like it. Uh, Cam Talbot Capital. What's in your goes mind? to replace Devin Dubnik in Minnesota on a three-year deal at 3.6. Remember all that cap uh, room we just talked about the Minnesota Wild opening up? Yeah, they, they didn't spend it too wisely. What the fuck is this team doing? <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with this team? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Like, oh my god. Fucking Anton Hudobin got the same fucking deal. Well, it's two Anton Hudobin almost won the Conn Smythe Trophy. Cam Talbot had like five good games <sighs> in the fucking playoffs. What are we talking about? He didn't even have five. Like, what is what is happening here? Look, the last time he's there interviewing him on TSN, and he's like, "It was really important for my camp, you know, to get that term." Well, no fucking shit. You're like, there's 15 NHL goalies on the market. You're not even in the top half of them, and none of the top half are great either. Good for Cam Talbot. I'll, I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. The last time the Wild brought in a washed-up goaltender, it, it <laughs> worked out, I guess. So, see how that goes. Ah, that's a, is that an Alex Stalock reference? Yeah, no, no for quite. sure. Yeah. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers with a pair of uh, nice little picks uh, pickups here. I'll say Kyle Turris for two yeah. years at one point six five. Yeah, hot damn, hot yeah, damn. Man. I and you know what's crazy? I ju- I'm just finding out that three point three is the total, not the cap hit. I yeah. thought that's what it was. Yeah. How how fucking nice is it to know that you don't have to worry about splitting up McDavid and Drysaddle or Drysaddle and Nuge? You can just you know purely make Drysaddle yeah. a winger. Calters I... can be your third line centerman. Wow. Oh, that's oh, love it. I gotta tell you. I think Kyle Turris to Edmonton is my favorite signing of all of free agency. I love that fit. I think that's so good. I wanted so bad when I heard the tourist rumors. This is not a shot at this player at all. I wanted the Leafs to trade Kerfoot and sign Turris. Because I think that if you can get Turris at that number versus Kerfoot, I think Turris is the better player, to be honest. Could be. Um, The issue is that they're different players. Mm -hmm. But um, no matter what, for Edmonton, like... This gives them a ton of options now. And, um, like, we forget Kyle Turris is a high-end prospect back in his day. He has a lot to give at both ends of the ice. It just wasn't a fit from day one in Nashville. 
He's another example of a guy who got traded, signed an extension, and it didn't work out. Um, yeah, like, I still think he's got a lot to give, so I'm very hopeful for that. I think it's a great signing. Uh, Alan Quinney, uh, also going to the Oilers on a one-year deal, league minimum. Uh, just, an, yeah, smart little depth guy that, that's going to help round out that, that forward group and, and give them some options if they run into, you know, injury problems or anything like that. Uh, we talked about uh, the debt, uh, the, the the debts, the Jets, and their defensive, uh, you know, concerns. They bring in Nathan Bolio, uh, two years, one point two five million. Sorry, they they re-sign him. They don't bring him in. Well, yeah, he's been there. Yeah, Sorry. yeah. You did mention earlier you didn't have their previous teams in front of you, so yeah, I just yeah, make for sure you know. Yeah, well, they, they bring him in. Uh, technically, uh, they released him. Uh, he flew away, and then he returned. So. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, by that I mean he walked out the door and then realized he forgot something and came back into the exactly. house immediately. Yeah. Uh, the prospects weren't as pretty as he may have hoped they were uh, when he left home. I Look, I, I, I feel the need to, con- to uh, like... Like the Leafs, I have to analyze every Jets decision because we do have Jets fans that uh, listen to this podcast. Uh, I think Nathan Beaulieu is a perfectly fine sixth defenseman, mm-hmm. and I like the deal. Uh, Principal Kevin Rooney uh, goes to mm, uh, right! New York Rangers <laughs> two-year deal. <laughs> that's that's the only reason I mentioned that. Mm. I want to get the joke out of the way. Uh, Braden Holtby. Uh, it's so hard to watch. Uh, Ferris Bueller knowing that Jeffrey Jones is like a horrible person, mm. but like, fuck, it's a great character. Braden Holtby goes to Vancouver um, on Weird. a two-year deal at $4.3 million. Um, it's uh, kind of too much, but it's it's also like the idea that Braden Holtby is going to be... Braden Holtby might be the best option in the entire NHL, other than maybe Flurry. Of a veteran goalie working with a young goalie, I think Holtby's going to be fucking incredible for Thatcher Demko. And in that sense, he can still sort of play, and um, maybe if you get into the playoffs and get worried about Demko, Holtby's not the worst guy to have in net. Um, I still think it's too much money, but I think there's more value to him other than what he offers on the ice. Which is a fucked up sure. analysis of a player. I understand that, but it is a reality. Also, if it, if it goes completely terrible, uh, they can expose them uh, in the expansion draft. Yeah, and you know, yeah, with and all their no movement clause shit. You know, who who is Seattle going to take from Vancouver realistically? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. could be an option. Uh, Anton Forsberg uh, to the Edmonton Oilers on a one year deal. I can't imagine he's being brought in to be the starting goaltender, but uh, they still don't really have one, so I guess we'll have to wait and see there. Uh, Seth Griffith also going to the Oilers. Could be the best goalie. Two years, 725. I, like, I fucking love Seth Griffith. That's great. I love it. Um, he's not going to play much, but uh, I think he's fantastic, so no, good for him. If, if a few guys get hurt, you yep. got to put Seth Griffith on the ice for eight minutes. Yep. He's a fine guy. To, like, this is where I'm talking about where... I understand he had his time in Toronto. I'd literally rather have Seth Griffith on the Leafs' fourth line than fucking Wayne Simmons. Interesting. Like, I would. Interesting. I think he's better. Hmm. He plays hockey. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, 
Um, God, I want Wayne Simmons to work out so bad, though. <laughs> it's not going to, but I want it to. It's going to be terrible. Uh, Colin Blackwell to the uh, Rangers uh, two years uh, league minimum uh, deal there. Uh, Anton Kudobin, very yeah. interestingly, re-ups with the Dallas Stars, a guy that I thought was definitely out the fucking door. Uh, three years, uh, 3.3 cap hit. Um, perfect cap hit. Uh, I think maybe you're going a year too long only because he's already he's going to be 35 by the time next season starts so do you really want to be paying a 38 year old goalie three and a half million dollars probably not but whatever the guy just brought it to the Seneca finals like give him give him his fucking day right uh, happy for happy for him as as opposed to worried for the stars I'll say mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very happy for Hudobin I think it's a fairly low risk deal uh, I'm still not... Hudobin's a guy where I think he's perfectly fine. But I am worried that the bottom was going to fall out at any fucking moment. But I've been worried about that since he came into the league. And he's been in the league for 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, do I hate it? No. Do I love it? No. I'm happy for him, though, because it's the biggest deal he's gotten in his career. So, right. good for him. Uh, I did not have Matt Murray getting the highest cap hit of a goaltender on my bingo card, but... Fuck, he's almost one of the highest cap hits of anybody on this. $6.25 million yeah. per year for four years for Matt Murray. Look, we just talked about Matt Murray. We both agree that he had a bad year last year, and he should rebound, and he's only 26, and you know he should be fine, and, and Ottawa was smart to go get him. I still am just a little bit worried about this deal because if that 10% chance of Matt Murray not bouncing back in his career or if he just doesn't slide into the Ottawa system, you know what I mean? Like, this could really look bad in in a year or two. Mind you, it's only for four years, so maybe it's okay. I don't know. I mean, the good news for Ottawa is they don't really have uh, much... Like, this this could be their first bad contract that they have on the roster right now, yeah. right? Uh, I think, anyway. I can't think of anything because they don't have anyone signed, really. So, um, if it goes south, it's, I guess, the first mistake that they have to deal with. Because right now, there isn't one. They have mm-hmm. a very fresh sheet. So, uh, that's what I don't mind about it, is because if it does go south, it is still sort of low risk for them. Uh, I just I think it's I think it's very low risk. Like I think this is just a if it works out, an incredible move. And if it doesn't work out, I don't think it's any skin off their ass either. Probably not. Um, I think the only difference I I maybe come down with it is that if if it's two years at this cap hit, perfect. Uh, four years. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. We'll I think that see. helps give them the confidence, though, to settle in too. I think that's another thing that helps, and that, that that's helps. a big thing. I, it's not something that I know Matt Murray needs, but I think with most athletes, um, it's knowing just peace you, of mind yeah, knowing that you've got that that insurance. not not for your life, but even just that everyone in that organization is committed to making you work. It's not like a let's see how this goes. Except for Brent in finance, he's not really a Matt Murray fan. Okay, yeah, sure, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I like everything about it. And uh, I will say this too. I haven't in my lifetime been so happy to see uh, a contract announcement for a Thunder Bay player. I was ecstatic on the golf course yesterday. I was very happy to see that because I um, met Matt more than enough times in my life. Most of the 
mostly when he was a kid and I was younger, but um, he's a very, very nice guy, and I wish him all the best. Uh, Alex Wenberg heads to Florida on a one-year deal, 2.25 cap hit. Love it. I Love wish, it. I wish I wasn't in the same division as Florida. Love it. They're they're figuring it out. That was the other guy where I'm like, yeah, if, mm. if they traded Kerfoot or moved Kerfoot to the wing and signed this fucking guy, I am okay with that. Uh, Tyler Pitlick to the Arizona Coyotes on a two-year deal, 1.75. It reminds me of the Family Guy joke when uh, Chris goes to see, like, Dances with Wolves or something like that, and he walks out of the theater and he's like, how does Kevin Costner keep getting work? And it kind of reminds me of Tyler Pitlick. Hmm. I don't understand really what this guy's doing, but I guess teams seem to like it. Hmm. Um... Evan Rodriguez uh, goes back to Pittsburgh yep. on a deal that makes you wonder why he was traded in the first place. Uh, one year, $700,000 cap hit. That's that's great. I don't yep. know. Cool. Um, Mark Jankowski, same deal. Uh, like also it. going to the Penguins. Uh, yeah, low, low, like, you know, like, this isn't going to hurt them in, in terms of their finances. This is only going to help them. I think that's a, a fantastic depth pick. Yeah. Um, I really wish that uh, I wrote for a website that has anything to do with either the Flames or the Penguins, so that way I could have written an, an, uh, an article about how this is Mark Jankowski's redemption time mm-hmm. and uh, titled it Janko Unchained. The Edmontonellers bring in Tyler Ennis on a one-year deal for... Uh, one million dollars. You know that's what I'm calling um, the episode. It's a C minus. Uh, that's nice for Tyler Ennis. That's a little stability there coming back to a team that he's uh, already played for. He kind of knows the system in inside and out. Uh, Mark Bor- or Bor- Robocop uh, is going to Nashville uh, for two years at two million dollars um, to play defense. I guess I don't know. Like he just block shots and beats up perps on the streets so I don't know if they're paying him to be security or to play hockey but he's, he's going to Nashville you yeah. can have your bachelorette party and feel safe at night knowing borrow cops out there watching yeah yeah yeah. I wonder if he's going to have to do uh, like a freaking interview with the owner video now that he's there or mm-hmm. if that uh, if that ends in Ottawa probably not we'll see um, so who's Eugene Milnick going to awkwardly interview now is, it, is that Josh Brown Connor Brown Connor Brown. Oh, fuck. He's been through enough. Okay. Uh, oh, boy. Um, Jack Johnson. Sitting, waiting, wishing. Jack Johnson's back. Um, he's being paid by two NHL teams to play hockey. Uh, and this time it's by the New York Rangers at $1 million for one year. Yeah. I guess I guess it's fine. <laughs> like, I don't yeah. know. Like... I saw a great tweet how this was uh, the perfect replacement for Mark Stahl. <laughs> how, how can we get Mark Stahl to play hockey so for us without having to pay we don't, $5 million to Mark Stahl? We don't have him anymore. Hmm, let me see. Hmm. What if What if we? What if we ruin one of our current defenseman's eyesight? Or we could sign Jack freaking Johnson. Oh, that seems easier. That's good. That's what, good. Whatever. Yeah. Like, honestly... I hope he works out. If Jack Johnson's playing 10 minutes a night, I think he's fine. It's just like we've only ever seen him for, like, 22 minutes a night. And I think that that's a bad idea. So. Uh, Kevin Shattenkirk uh, gets a little bit of bounce-back money after winning a cup in Tampa. He's off to Anaheim on a three-year deal, uh, just shy of $4 million per... Uh, good, 
redemption story. I, I don't know. I, I still don't think I would have given him that much, but uh, fuck it. Anaheim kind of needs the help right now, and you know, go go all in if you, if you got the money, spend it. I guess right. So, um, I I really like the deal. <clears throat> uh, John Hayden to the uh, Arizona Coyotes, one year league minimum. Cool. That's that's nice. Um, Matt Benning, two years, $1 million cap hit to the Nashville Predators. Um, again, like, I don't know. Was, I, I guess that means Borrow Cop's just going to be security because I don't think they have enough spots for all these guys. But um, it's always good to have muscle in the locker room for sure. So, um, Alex Petrovic goes to the Calgary Flames in a one-year deal. Wait, at what? League minimum. Uh, Alexander Petrovic, uh, defenseman goes to the Calgary Flames. See, now, I'm just a little bit confused, because uh, isn't he a top four defenseman for the Florida Panthers? He used to be. Mm, that's even debatable. But now... He definitely used to be on the Florida Panthers. I didn't know he was still in the league. Yeah, he's a seventh defenseman for the Calgary Flames now, so that's... that's oh, he played great. in the AHL. Uh, okay, yeah. so yeah, so he's probably going to play in the AHL next year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, cool. Yeah, he apparently he models his game after Chris Pronger. Hmm. Mm. No, we try. How's that going? We model our podcast after others. And yeah, I guess that's true. That's fair enough. Who the fuck are we to talk? Uh, Justin Schultz uh, goes to the Washington Capitals on a two-year deal at a $4 million cap hit. Um, sure. I don't know. Fine. Okay. A little pricey. I love this deal for a couple of small reasons, okay? Uh, firstly, they could use a little bit more of like a offensive defensemen deeper in their lineup other than John Carlson. Okay? Because I don't really think that that's what Dmitry Orlov is at this stage. So, I like it for that reason. I also like the deal because it's a two-year deal and this is a perfect fucking guy for Seattle to take. So, uh, I think it's a great win-now move. You got that second year. It's a good spot. But the biggest thing for me is, like I said with Brandon Dillon, without Michael Kempney next year... They needed to replace him. And Schultz is very different than Michael Kempney, but he's still an NHL defenseman. So I like the deal a lot for mm. Washington. I actually think Washington uh, yeah. made some pretty decent little signings here in, in free agency. Uh, Josh Curry, who I've never heard of, goes to Pittsburgh. He's a one-year deal. He's a guy. Uh, I think he was on Edmonton last year. So here, here's one of the big pieces, one of the bigger deals of the day. Jacob Markstrom finally gets his contract. He leaves Vancouver. Uh, Jakob. He goes to the Calgary Flames on a six-year deal at $6 million. I mean, how do you replace the intangibles left by Cam Talbot? Um, well, you go out and you sign Jacob Markstrom, who's probably the best free agent goalie that was out there so yeah um that's a fantastic move by calgary i think that adjusts yeah. is one of their biggest issues and you don't have to worry about starting david riddick in the playoffs hopefully because that never seems to work yeah i was on the golf course with uh with uh, a flames fan yesterday and he made the comment about how it's the biggest uh, goalie they've brought in since mika kiprasov and i told him actually this is probably the biggest goalie they've brought in in the history of their franchise because they didn't know they were bringing in mika kiprasov when they brought him in so uh, yeah, this is a, this is a huge, huge signing for them. They get arguably, a, uh, in my opinion, a top ten goalie in the league. And I'm always a little weary of bringing in free agent goaltenders. It hasn't worked in the past. Sometimes it doesn't work. But I do think Markstrom is a guy where he should be able to adjust. He doesn't have a ton of mileage on his body either, uh, despite being thirty. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
yeah, like he's only played 270 NHL games, right? He played. He's had a lot of years where he only played 25, 30 games. So, from for his age, he's fresh. Kevin Miller signs a one-year deal in Boston for one million dollars. Uh, yep, maybe maybe that's the end of Zdeno Chara. I don't I don't know. Like, only so many spots to go around. Anthony Boteto goes to the New York Rangers on a two-year deal. Uh, worth seven hundred and thirty-seven and a half thousand dollars per. What's what's like what's the half for? What what, what are we what are we splitting hairs here for? Let's, let's figure it out, Anthony. Dumb. Yeah. Dumb. Um, yeah, that's, that bastard. Eh? Matthew Pekka goes to the that's Senators uh, as an RFA. Uh, one year, seven hundred thousand uh, dollars. Logan Shaw also RFA two-year deal with the Sens at seven hundred twenty-five thousand um, dollars. How the fuck do these guys get on the cap floor? Come on, spend some money. Uh, Brandon Baddock uh, signs with the Habs. RFA, one year, $700,000. I've seen names on here where I'm like, I've heard it before, <sighs> yeah, sure. but I'm not necessarily sure who they are. I have, I've legitimately never heard of Brandon Baddock. I don't he's know actually, what that is. Uh, he's actually uh, fucking, uh, yeah, nephew of the owner or something. I don't know. Sounds like he'd be like a like an evil uh, like a, a rival at, on the OC or something like that. Like he'd be a rival of fucking Ryan or Brandon at the Bad Docks. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, Kyle Crisculo, uh, one year with the Red Wings, seven hundred thousand dollars. That's great. Uh, another defenseman of the Jets, Lucas Spiza, one year, eight hundred thousand dollars to play defense for the Winnipeg Jets. That's fine. Sure. Yeah, low risk. Uh, Stefan Nosen uh, with the Sharks, a one-year deal. I do not have the cap hit. I don't think anyone needs to know what the cap hit is. It's 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 gonna be it's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be fine. Uh, Byron Frace uh, signs up a two-year RFA deal with the Calgary Flames, seven hundred twenty-five thousand dollars. Zach Ronaldo back still has a job in the NHL, uh, one year, seven hundred thousand dollars with the Calgary Flames. Uh, Buddy Robinson. Great name. Uh, one year, $700,000. Yeah, Buddy Banduto. With the Flames. Uh, Xavier Roulette uh, signs a two-year deal with the Montreal Canadiens at a seven hundred and thirty-seven and a half. If I can figure it out, guys. Round numbers. Like, What are we doing here? Come on. That extra $500 goes a long way, James. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Yeah. TJ Brody signs a four-year deal at a $5 million cap hit with the Toronto Maple Leafs to play defense on the right side, despite the fact that he is a left-hand shot defenseman. The one thing that I was told that the Leafs would not be requiring. Um, <laughs> oh, what did you think of the Brody deal? It's, it's one year and, like... A million dollars more than it should be. Like it, it's close to what TJ Brody was going to make, but I think it's a little high and a little long for a guy that maybe you had better options to go with hmm. in the world. But I, I um, I've seen a lot of things that I don't like about TJ Brody. Uh. I think overall he's probably a good signing. The only reason I, I'm somewhat comfortable with it is just the fact that he's played with Mark Giordano a lot and on the right side, and I think that that's uh, similar to playing beside Morgan Riley, although Mark Giordano is much better. But uh, I don't think the gap is... Well, actually, I shouldn't say much better, but Mark Giordano is definitely better. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, I don't. I definitely didn't love it to hear it, but we'll see. 
I, I think he's he's going to be fine. He's he's not the type of defenseman I expected the Leafs to bring in. Like I, I thought, whoever was going to get TJ Brody was going to get a good player to play second line pairing minutes and be an effective guy. You know, you know that you can kind of rely on and throw out there and not have to worry about. Um, and then he signed with the Leafs, which was like the one team where it's like they kind of need to swing a little bit higher in terms of getting a more impactful player on the right side of their defense, yeah. like right now. Maybe he's the guy. I, I don't know. I, are... I trust Kyle Dubas <laughs> yeah. a little less than I did, but I still trust Kyle Dubas to do the right thing. So maybe? I don't know. Yeah. I've seen some sites that sort of the way that they evaluate players would lead you to believe that there isn't a weakness in TJ Brody's game. So, I would like to think that that's what we're getting, but I'm not. I'm not sure. Hmm. I'll uh, tell you this: I'll, I'd rather watch TJ Brody play 23 minutes beside Morgan Riley than fucking Cody Cece. And I'll hey, and I'll drink to hey, that, baby. There we go. <laughs> You love to hear it. I'm cracking a beer. Cody, actually, I'm going to crack a Cody, beer now. Cody actually, in honor uh, of that. Uh, no, no deal yet. Oddly enough, I, I'm, uh, man, I'm not sure why he doesn't have a deal yet. Uh, Nick Cousins to the Nashville Predators on a two-year deal, one and a half million dollars per season. Cool. Yeah, uh, you Good know, for him. and I don't really think I'm going to particularly miss Cody CC. Like the way I, yeah. you know, the way I see it. I just don't think he's that fucking good, James. I'm just going to say it. It's almost like someone could have forecasted a oh, year ago. Oh, we're still talking about Cody Cece. That Cody Cece's not great. Okay. And you know what? I made I made myself a promise when the Leafs got eliminated to the Columbus Blue Jackets that um, I, I wouldn't talk about Cody Cece oh. ever again because I didn't have to. So and The opposite. I talk about Jeff Finger every day. Mm. You remember when they saw... <laughs> like, the idea that that... Whether or not the story's true, that the Leafs signed Jeff Finger... Because Cliff Fletcher thought that he was signing Kurt so- Kurt Sauer, Kurt Sawyer. Whether or not that's true, that's an insane story. The other funny part about that, though, is I wouldn't have signed Kurt Sauer to that fucking deal either. Like, like neither of those would have been a good signing. You know what I mean? Like, as if that makes it any better, I'm like, I would almost rather have Jeff Finger. Like, Kurt Sawyer wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Sauer. Uh, Matt Irwin and Tobias Reeder both going to the Sabres on one-year deals at league minimum. Um, sure. That's yeah. great. They got both those guys for less than what the Leafs are paying Wayne Simmons. So that's good. Uh, Thomas Nosak to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights on a one-year $1.25 million deal. Cool. Good for you, Vegas. Another fucking forward that you can throw on the wings and... They have the they have the deepest winger pool in the fucking league. I'm I'm convinced of it. Who? Vegas. Um. No sex. Good. I yeah. like no sex a lot. Yeah. To be honest with you, I remember when, <laughs> like, among every other thing they did that night. You remember when we were watching the expansion draft and they picked Thomas Nosek from Detroit, and there was like other guys where it was like that would make sense. Like everyone was like Jimmy Howard for sure and all this shit, right? They take Thomas Nosek and everyone's like. Who the fuck is that? And he... I I honestly think Thomas Nosek may be the best fourth-line player in the league. Like, he's no better than that. But holy shit, is he ever, like, just solid. Someone's like eight, gonna do ten, it. He's yeah. great. Like, yeah. I love him. Oh, man. Good for him. <clears throat> Brandon Davidson to the Buffalo Sabres in a one-year deal. $700,000. Again, guys, come on. Pony up here. You're gonna, you're gonna miss the floor. Um... 
Tori Krug goes to St. Louis yeah. on a seven-year deal oh. at six and a half million. Doug Armstrong adamantly stating this does not close the door <laughs> on Alex Petrangelo. So uh, I'm really excited to see how they trade Falk and or Pareko to make room for Petrangelo to come in. But um, yeah, sure, that was one of the fucking weirdest uh, moves of the day by far convinced like you wouldn't see anything from St. Louis until they knew about what their captain was doing. So unless they know something that Carlo Koliakovo doesn't know, uh, which well, means I don't that see the rest of us possible. don't know. Yeah, I don't exactly. know how that's possible. So, um, sure, I don't know. Fucking, that's good for them if, if that's the guy that Fuck. they're going to replace Angelo with. I'm, I'm fucking really down for that. I, I think that's a great signing, honestly. He fits in well with that uh, that team, I think. And, a, and he's coming cheaper than whatever they would have got Petrangelo at. That's a great cap hit for yeah. Tory Krug, yeah, too, is. though. Like, even just like Petrangelo aside, Tory Krug, I would probably give... I mean, I'd be happy to get him at that rate, but like, I'd give him a million more a year, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Maybe not for seven, but I probably would have done that. Tory Krug's great. Like he, he's really good uh, two-way defenseman. Everyone thinks of him as purely offensively, but he, like he blocks a ton of shots. Like he, he's very smart. He's, he's good. I like him. So, um, I remember. I, I, I don't know if I actually said it, but I was sort of implying a week ago that the windows closed for the Blues. I might open it again oh, a little bit here. I like that. Crap. Because I thought if they lost Petrangelo and and their blue line literally went Pareko, Falk, Scandella down the depth chart, I'm like, I don't see how that team fucking really does anything other yeah. than like losing the first round every Wouldn't year. Wouldn't be good. Um, but with a guy like Krug, like that that helps a lot because Krug to play with Pareko now, and you can just play the shit out of that pairing. That's a that's a good pairing, man. That's mm. awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, here's a signing that made me feel better about the T.J. Brody deal. Uh, Chris Tanev replaces T.J. Brody in Calgary for uh, yeah. four years at $4.5 million, which is uh, frightening. Well, it's the deal's not good. But the funny thing is, like, the weird thing is that right now, I'd probably rather have Chris Tanev just straight up. I do think he's better. But I don't know how much longer that's going to last. Like, the guy's body is made out of glass at this stage. And, um, like, for four years, that just scares the hell out of me. So, uh, if he can stay healthy and he doesn't decline any more than he already has, that's a very good signing. But uh, the numbers do not suggest that he's going to be the same defenseman for four years. So, uh, it's fine for now. It it replaces Hamannick, I guess. Um, but I don't know how long it replaces Hamannick for, and then you're stuck with Tanev on your blue line, so. Yeah, I don't, I don't love it, but, um, uh, Corey Crawford rounds up the day going to the New Jersey Devils on a two-year, $3.9 cap hit. That is fucking, that's really smart for the Devils, I think. That, that brings in a veteran guy, he can split the work with Blackwood. You can rely yeah. on him more than you could rely on Schneider. Um, he looked really yeah. good last year. He looked really fucking good last year. He was a top 10 goalie in the league last year. Um, but his injury concerns, obviously... Uh, you Yeah, run the numbers. I was surprised, too. Corey Crawford was out of this world. Yeah, like, I, I, yeah. Gave, you, I gave you that look, and I'm like... 
I'm like, well, do I actually know that he wasn't? You know what I mean? Like, I, like sometimes you just don't look into guys, right? You just yeah. and like another guy going back to it. Like, I was mad at about the Brody signing, and then I thought about it. And I'm like, I actually don't really know anything about him other than that he's fast as fuck. Like, I haven't really paid attention to him for years. Mm-hmm. So then I did some more digging, and I felt a little bit better when I saw some numbers. Yeah. But uh, yeah, a nine seventeen. Yeah, I don't know if I'd go as far as top top ten, but I also didn't really watch him play other than in the playoffs, and mm-hmm. it was fine in the playoffs. Oh, yeah, the that. playoffs weren't great for him. He's, but, he stole yeah. a game in the Vegas yeah. series, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is the end of the uh, signings on October 9th. There was one trade, however. Yeah. And a trade that I was a uh, pretty big fan of. Yeah. Uh, Carl Dahlstrom to the Vegas Golden Knights. That Wow. Carl Dahlstrom to the Vegas... Well, wow. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> wow. Wow, 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 wow. Along with the fourth round pick, in exchange for Paul Stasny to the Winnipeg Jets. My sweet, sweet boy, Paul Stasny. Back in Manitoba's capital. Um, look, it's probably not going to be great in a year or two, but <laughs> I fucking love Paul Stasny. So well, I, he's only signed for a year. It doesn't matter. Oh, I thought he had two years left. No, he's okay. just one, oh. as far as I know, anyway. Okay. One more year on that deal. Nice. It was, yeah, it was a three-year deal. He spent two years in Vegas. So, um, Love it. Big fan. Yeah, I okay, so I'm going to be rarely critical of uh, Kevin Shevel Day Off, which oh. I almost never am. However, it's, it's almost not even that critical. It's just that Vegas is in a situation where they're tied up against the cap. And you're in a situation where you definitely need center depth. And there is center depth on the market. But I I do like the idea of bringing in a guy that's already played there. A guy that knows the system. He knows the coach. He knows the teammates. Like, it's so it's a great fit in that sense. Um, but I was just a little bit surprised that they even had to give up anything like this this was a situation where vegas had rumored to be thinking about buying out paul stasny and if they were able to do so they they probably would have um but you know like it was just i was surprised to see that vegas had to give up anything to get him and i know carl dahlstrom's not much but i would rather have carl dahlstrom on their blue line rather than like lucas spisa so i think this sort of was an unnecessary move in that sense. But I would rather sign Paul Stasny than a lot of the other free agents on the market because I at least know what I'm getting in Paul Stasny. Mm -hmm. And what you're getting is a very, very good third-line center who is going to play in their second-line center spot and is capable of doing so because he's going to have strong wingers. Yeah, and and don't you, know you want I mean? Cole so, Perfetti learning from a guy like Paul Stasny? Yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, I think you really Especially do. Especially in that fucking face-off now, circle. Actually, I'd like to see Mark Scheifele learn a little bit more <laughs> well, in that face-off circle too. So uh, now, here's an interesting one. I saw this brought up by the guys on TSN when the when the trade was announced. Do you think that this almost to a degree puts to bed the Patrick Line trade possibility? Probably. Those, I, those guys were unreal together. I Line think. A, Ehlers, Stasny. Well, the thing with... Yeah, yeah, I mean, what it does maybe is increase his value so you can trade him next year. But, um... I don't... I just don't get who they were going to get for Line that it was going to make sense. Because, like, they... The the only team that I heard that was rumored to be in on Line where it actually made sense to me was Philadelphia. And the reason that makes sense to me is because you should be getting a Provorov, a, a Sanheim, a Philip Myers back. And for Sanheim and Myers, it would have been plus, right? Mm-hmm. Provorov, maybe I could see that being sort of a wash. But um, 
you shouldn't be trading lining unless you're getting an absolute no doubter back on on defense. And aside from that, like you're you're not gaining anything from trading him. Like you're not going to trade him for draft picks. What the fuck's the point of that? So I never really understood why they were looking at doing that. Um, but I do think that the Stasny trade. I just I don't think I yeah I don't think they make that Stasny move if Liney is still out there. And the only way they do is if they're in on Taylor Hall or something. But I've not heard a single uh, murmur that mm-hmm. they're in on Taylor mm-hmm. Hall. Um, that brings us to today, uh, as we are continuously updating, watching for new signings. Uh, there were a few that came in this morning. It's about 1.30 in the afternoon as we're recording. Uh, Andre Burakovsky, a two-year RFA deal with the Colorado Avalanche at a $4.9 million cap hit. A little rich, but um, I, I think... That's what I thought. And then I looked up his numbers. Yeah. And so, yeah. so Colorado's funny because, like, I watched them play. And uh, I look at a lot of their numbers, but sometimes I just don't pay attention because I'm so overwhelmed with how good Nathan McKinnon is. I don't really notice what's going on in their depth, and I just sort of assumed that like McKinnon and Rantanen and Landis Cog and Kadri had all these points, and everyone else just had like 20 points this year. And then I looked it up, and Andre Burakovsky had 45 points in 58 games this year, and was over a point per game fucking player in the playoffs. I, I like this signing a lot. I actually didn't know I did when I saw it, but then I looked into it and I'm like, yeah, okay, that's good. Yeah, I like it. Two years, low risk. Yeah, uh, you got to pay someone. Why not pay someone who's that's already yeah. who's already working in your in your system? And they still sort of have the cap flexibility to make it work with a Taylor Hall if they, they have want. Lots so, of cap room still. Yeah, it's... and and the thing is too with them is, you know, you talk about teams having cap room, but like. There's examples of teams that only have so much cap room because they have to re-sign so-and-so to a big deal in a year or whatever, right? Like, everyone talks about Vancouver, and it's like, well, no, they actually have no fucking cap space because nobody makes any money on that team other than, like, their depth players. But Colorado doesn't really have anything to worry about in the next few years. Like, they have to re-sign Landis Cog next year. But Landis Cog already makes five and a half. It's not like we're talking, like, an entry-level deal. So you're only going to be giving him, what, like a million and a half raise, maybe at best. Maybe not even that. Maybe you even don't fucking re-sign him. I don't know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, You know, they got to worry about signing Zadorov and Graves. But, like, in reality, so they've got 17 million in cap space. So that gives them, like, 13 million in cap space. Like, they have tons of room. And pretty much everyone is signed. And they Mm -hmm. have, like, prospects to bring up, like... You know, even if you don't re-sign Graves or Zadorov and you trade one of them, you've got Connor Timmons and shit, and you've got other guys like Bowen Byram eventually is going to play. They're in a great spot. So, if I'm Taylor Hall, yeah, I fucking want to go there. Yeah. Um, I had a I had a buddy text me this morning saying that uh, Frederick Gauthier went to the Penguins. Uh, it was Frederick Goudreau that went to the Penguins. So, uh, uh, obviously, a mutual friend of ours uh, not being able to... Uh, read French too well. Mm. Just sees Frederick G jumps to uh, Goudreau. Mm. Uh, no, uh, Goudreau, uh, sorry, Gauthier. Goudreau to the Penguins, one year, $700,000. Uh, Maxime Lagasse, also to the Penguins, one year, $700,000. Thomas Grace uh, signs with the Detroit Red Wings on a two-year deal at $3.6 million. Uh, It's fine. It's, it's interesting. It's fine. I, don't, I don't really know why he'd want to go to Detroit at this point in his career, but Sure, maybe his dad was a big Sid Abel fan. Mm. Mm. Um, Weird 
player for a German to be into. Yeah, Craig uh, Craig Smith goes to the Boston Bruins on a three-year deal at a $3.1 million cap hit. Hey, fuck you, Boston. Um, yeah, no, just bring in another quality depth forward that's going to make it... Ryan Lambert with some pretty convincing numbers. Uh, it's a little, it's a little rich, maybe for me, a little bit, but uh, it's fine. Like I don't know, it's just the Bruins sort of make me nervous because, like, if the top end of their lineup falls down, they don't really like. They have a lot of like just very average players kind of rounding out that lineup, and I don't know. It, it's fine. I, I'm not gonna wax too much about it. Mm. Uh, Jordan Greenway re-signs with the Minnesota Wild in a two-year deal at yep. 2.1. Smart, smart, smart pick up there. Yep. Uh, and I think that's it. As it stands, that's all that is officially listed on the list I have in front of myself. I don't know if you have anything that I missed on your list, um, but um, that's that's where I'm at. Okay. Um, we've got... Some some news uh, coming uh, from the Twitter sphere. Chris Johnson reporting that Alex Petrangelo is on a plane to Vegas as we speak. Um, we were uh, believed that you know led to believe that Petrangelo would not be signing today. He wouldn't be making his mind up for the weekend. Uh, this could be just a, a let's go chat. Show me the show me the offer. Make the pitch. You know, show me the the video of me lifting the cup here and in Vegas type of deal. So we'll have to keep an eye on that and see if it leads anywhere. Uh, and also Darren Dreger reporting about an hour ago that the Oilers and Tyson Berry are closing in on a one-year deal in the $4 million range. So um, could be a pretty smart move there by the Oilers, I, I, I could say. Like, you know, That's a guy that can keep up with uh, certain uh, well-skating forwards that play in the Edmonton Oilers system. So... Well, who's still out there for goalies? There are probably a few uh, out there. Um, if you give me one second, I can okay. sort by position. Aaron Dell's the only name coming to mind, so I feel like there's got to be someone else out there. Position. Position. Like Markstrom signed. Holtby signed. Holtby nimble, Holtby quick. You know? Yeah. I just like, uh, the Oilers are making a lot of good moves, and I just feel like the only thing that really scares the shit out of me for sure is their goaltending. And Corey Schneider, Craig Anderson, yeah, woof. Jimmy Howard. Oh God. Uh, Mike Condon. So. Mike Smith. So. Uh, call the Golden Knights about Flurry or Rendell, Lou Deming, Ryan Miller. Of course, you know he's he's had some success uh, somewhere. And then we're getting into <laughs> the Matt bit. Robson uh, era of I don't know exactly. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't know. Trade for Flurry, maybe. Yeah, um, they got to do something because I don't really know if you want to go into the season with uh, Miko Koskinen and uh, fucking Anton Forsberg as your pairing, but that's that's where they're sitting. So, um, yeah, I think that's it. Unless there's uh, anything else. Oh yeah, I guess Tyler Johnson hit waivers uh, from Tampa Bay and cleared. So he is officially a free agent out there as well that you can add to the growing list of guys that well, need, need a home. I do want to do quickly, uh, I don't know why this is the ranking that I'm taking, but I'm, I'm going to take this one. The uh, the NBC's top 23 NHL free agents. I just mm. wanted to do a quick rapid fire where you think they might go. 
Me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, we'll both do it. But okay. I mean, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go from the bottom up. Okay. Sure. So Eric Gustafson. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Arizona. Um. Pittsburgh. Okay. Joe Thornton. Switzerland. <laughs> Probably. He loves fucking Switzerland. Yeah, SC, that, SC Burns. Did you see that thing where Doug Wilson called him the other day and uh, Joe missed his call, so he called him back and he's like, oh, sorry, I was outside shoveling snow. And he's like, oh, yeah, how's that going? And he's like, well, it's warm enough that I didn't have to wear a shirt. Yeah. Um, Joe Thornton, well, yeah, he stays in San Jose or he retires. Ah, oh, come on. He's going somewhere. You think so? Yeah, he's, he's going to, like, go Boston. to... No, not Boston. That'd be fucked. Uh, he's he's going to go to um, he's gonna go to Colorado, one-year deal. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Carl Soderberg. Carolina. Hmm. Interesting. I'll go, uh, I'll go, you know what? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Ottawa. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Miko Koyavu. Fuck. Montreal. Yeah. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Yeah, you know, the other team that I was kind of thinking uh, was Edmonton. Maybe, because they could still, like, mm. they could still use some depth there. Maybe, but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mikhail Granlund. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I'm going Columbus. Florida. Okay. Uh, Braden Holpe, blah, blah, blah. Tyson Berry, yeah, Edmonton. Um, okay, Mike Hoffman. Oh, Mikey H.A.? Dallas. Yeah, eh? Does Dallas have cap room? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Just fucking pick a, pick a team, you know? Uh, where are they here? Oh, they do have some cap room. Yeah, they got $10 million. Yeah? Yeah. Hmm. They got guys signed. I'm going to go... Um, I'm going to go Nashville. Because I think they're going to miss out on Taylor Hall. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Evgeny Dadinov. San Jose. Hmm. I'm, uh... I'm gonna go Columbus. Okay. Okay. Uh, Tyler Toffoli. I feel like this is a fairly simple one, but... Boston. Really? I, I'm going L.A. Uh, his, his wife works for the Dodgers. I think he's I think he's just gonna go back home. Oh, okay. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, Taylor Hall. Okay, Boston. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I'm going Colorado. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Alex Petrangelo. Weird one. Yeah. Um, Columbus? That'd be weird. Yeah, it would be. That's weird. I don't even know. Like, is there even... Is there an answer? Like, does he go anywhere? Uh, you know what? I'm just going to say that maybe some other deal comes up. And that somehow he goes to Philadelphia. How about that? Sure. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't honestly. I don't know where he's going to go at this point. It's fucking kind of weird. Well, he's in Vegas right now. Yeah, they don't have any cap room. So. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah. Overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite. Jesus. All right. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> unless you got anything else? No, I don't. No. No. Uh, forms of potato. Yeah. Um, yeah, we were having the conversation the other night. How do, how do you like your potatoes cooked? I don't really know how we got in the conversation. It was eight guys of us drinking at a, at a 
restaurant, and for some reason that was the uh, conversation we had. Um, so, yeah, uh, overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite, forms of potato. James, do you have an overrated? Uh, mashed. Okay. They're fine. They're just way too overrated. They don't need to be at every fucking meal. And they usually are. Are they? Yeah. Well. Well, in my household, they are very overrated. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe they're not making them right. You know, like, when they're not made right, they're terrible. But if they're nice, fresh, you throw some other shit in there, it's pretty good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I... I, I think my overrated is uh, probably a baked potato. It's just the more I've thought about it, like a, a lot of times they're they're not done very well. A twice baked is good, but when it's done properly, uh, but when it's not, it's 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 just kind of a waste of uh, of a potato. So I'm going overrated is a baked potato. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, my underrated is uh, deep fried. Just mm. sliced up, tossed in the frying pan, fry them up. Fucking unreal. Yeah? Lots of pepper, lots of salt. Okay. Yeah. Um, my, my, my underrated is, um, is going to be scalloped potatoes, I think. I think a lot of people uh, don't necessarily love scalloped potatoes. And again, potatoes are um, easy to fuck up, I would say. Like, I, I would say uh, a frozen potato is usually not that good. Um, frozen anything's usually not good, but potato is one of those things you shouldn't you shouldn't be cheaping out on potato. I think you should be doing it the right way. Uh, a nice fresh scallop potato is is among the best out there. I think you get that cheese going. You could throw some other shit in there, some chives. You know, it's good. Okay. Um, my favorite mm-hmm. is um, <clears throat> probably fries, but in the interest of not being boring, uh, scalloped. Okay, love me a scallop potato. I don't get them very often, um, so when I do, it's a treat, and I and I enjoy it. Okay, yeah. Um, my favorite is, is the hash brown. I think, mm-hmm. uh, especially when it's done in like uh, that, like the pancake form sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like just the kind of um, the flat sort of hash One brown. Piece. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, or you can buy like McCain's actually makes like they're actually called hash brown pancakes, and it's just like little sort of fry hash brown kind of thing um holy shit man no you cook those things right get them nice and golden brown holy fuck unbelievable so yeah i'm a, I'm a big hash brown guy okay good pick mm-hmm. kind of forgot about the hash brown not gonna lie but, yeah. uh, my least favorite is raw <laughs> is that a thing that comes up often for yeah. you might be i don't know yeah i mean like an underdone potato useless it's terrible <laughs> it's like useless. if you don't you don't cook it right. What's the fucking point? Exactly. What are we doing here? Uh, no, my 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 least favorite is the um, is the wedge potato. I don't. Uh, it's just mm. it's just a lot of it's just a lot of potato. Like it's you know what I mean. Like I I don't get it. It's not good. So uh, yeah, I don't like potato wedges. No, no wedges. No. Okay. The Odina makes good ones. It's an exception. You know, you ever been to the Odina, James? Um, Kekebeka Falls, Ontario. Yes. Nice. My, you uh, get their you get their wedges from there. My, my buddy used to work there. So. Nice. You ever yeah. get their wedges? No. Okay. I don't know if I've ever bought anything from the Odina. I've just I've just been to yeah. it. Yeah, it's well, it's kind of expensive. Yeah. Um, okay, I think that's laced up for this week. 
That's enough. Yeah. That's it's a lot. Uh, it was a lot. We thought about doing a, a midweek episode, and in hindsight, we probably should have. But um, this is how we did it. We, you know, we were busy this week, and we managed to get this mm-hmm. done. So yeah. Um, the next episode, I'm assuming, is just going to be a week from now. I don't. I don't think this week is going to be super chaotic, and that there's going to be any need for like a Wednesday night episode. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think we're good. Uh, as for the plans for the remainder of the season, I'm not really sure when we're planning on packing it in and taking a break, if we're going to do that at all, what, what's going to happen there. Um, I, I do know for a fact, uh, that within the next few weeks, the, uh, teased for about a year now, uh, community bonus episode will be happening. But aside from next week's episode and the community episode, I don't, I don't know. Like we could be nearing the end of the season here now. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I'll probably just pack it in until the World Juniors are back, and I'll, I'll come out of retirement I'll have for that. To do some sort yeah. of a special for that. I would mm-hmm. have to assume. So yeah, it's gonna be like a week before the season starts anyway. So yeah, might be good timing. Fair enough. Okay, I'm good. Are you good? Uh, I think so. Okay. All right. Goodbye. Sure.